for 25 years. Nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. There's no place to escape to. This is the last time. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? Oh boy, it's almost Christmas time and I can't wait. We've been busy all month making all sorts of wooden horses. Yeah, I know you <laughs> Making have. all sorts of PS5s, didn't make enough, and all these nope. 40-year-olds keep buying them instead of the kids. But, yep. hey, you know, money's money. That's capitalism here. This yeah. is Santa's workshop. You know what's so funny, Elf? Elf Twinkles, right? Yeah. yeah. Santa Claus. I'm, I'm, I'm one of the bobs that works for Santa Claus. Yeah. Yeah, you did so much work. Oh, just hauling just and Just two lifting. months of work. You're, but, but unfortunately... Yeah. We're going through layoffs. Um, um, yeah, so we're going to go through some layoffs here at the North Pole. So wait a second, you mean I'm... Um, you're fired. You're fired, Twinkles the Elf. You mean laid off, right? So no, I can like get... fucking fired. Like, get the fuck out, <laughs> get your shit and go. Is this because I'm supposed to get that raise coming up or because I didn't... Get your shit and get out! What if I come back here with the fucking crossbow? All the shit I had to go through. You remember when Santa changed his name to Solomon and he taught us all how to masturbate for that week? I remember that. Because that has been, that was a rough time. And yeah. I really feel like I should get some kind of hush money for something like that. I got a hush money right here. Whoa! <laughs> Wait a second, that's a money, that's a fucking pound cake. Fuck the shit. Alright, what's up everyone? Welcome to the last podcast on the left. The only way to bribe an elf is through pound cake. They love sweets! They do. Mm-hmm. Um, today's episode, uh, it's gonna be a lot. It's yeah. gonna be, apparently it's gonna be quite disgusting. I was flipping through a little bit of the book here, uh, Savage Messiah, that Henry has, the picture section. And um, it seems like, it seems like... This Rock Terrio guy didn't like balls. <laughs> he yeah. definitely had he, a vendetta. He hated balls. Yeah. So we'll get to all of that. So Marcus yes. worked really, really hard on this story. So we're just going to let him start. Uh, as always, Rock Terrio and the Ant Hill Kids. I also want to say oh. that Marcus prefaced this as we were going through a production um, call this week. He said, let's call it, this is the child abuse episode. I didn't say let's, this is the let's child call abuse it episode. The ch- this I didn't is what say you we'll said, call Marcus? It. No, I didn't say Can we'll I call it the, the child abuse episode. I said it's going to be the child abuse episode because there's going to be a lot of child abuse. Just get ready for it. That's just all I said. I just said, and I, I said, hell yeah, great. It's sweeps week. This is a <laughs> really good time to pack it all in right 
before Christmas. I, well, you know, hey, what? Oh, okay. Well, let's hop in. We're going to get through this story of Rock Dario and the Ant Hill Kids part. Deal? Ooh. Let's start now. Ooh. Bit of a francophone over there. Oh. <laughs> a francophone is a phone with body odor. No, no kidding. <laughs> All right. Very good. So by the summer of 1978, Rock Terrio had gathered a healthy amount of followers using seemingly innocuous Seventh-day Adventist lifestyle guidelines and stop-smoking clinics, all while he and his followers lived in his girlfriend Giselle's apartment. But once fall began approaching, some of Rock's followers, who were all in their late teens and early 20s, started discussing the possibility of ending their summer of guru and returning to their respective educations. So up until this point, all of these kids essentially were living with Rock as sort of like oh of of lark like yeah. oh we're having this like fun summer with this guy who says he's God and he's going to teach us how to not smoke anymore which right. is actually the least cool way to spend a summer because I had a <laughs> lot of cool summers smoking a lot of cigarettes absolutely it sounds like the sketch with Christina Applegate and David Spade that introduced Matt Foley as the motivational speaker Chris yes. Farley's character oh my but god like, if they actually went and moved in with Matt Foley oh my god <laughs> holy shit Rock Terrio is actually very close to Matt. Foley. Live in a van down by the river. So Rock, in an attempt to keep his core group together, increased the number of stop smoking clinics and started organizing Seventh Day Adventist vegetarian banquets comprised of Seventh Day Adventist staples like carrot cake, lentil <gasps> soup, Whoa. and Bean curd casserole. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, I definitely had. We had the other day. Natalie got from the healthy, the Chinese food restaurant, the healthy one. Well, it's healthy because you can't eat it. So then you're losing weight on top of weight. She got this, this little box. I opened it up, and the only way to describe it is it was fucking three foreskins in this box. I oh, and it just looked like it. It looked like three fucking Robert Irvine's dicks just cut off. Robert Irvine, the big built chef from Food Network, Absolutely. he had dick pics come out two years ago. I don't know how I saw them the other. Day. Jacked guy, tiny <laughs> penis for a huge man. Well, it's just so big. Just it's an so average sh- penis. It's so shriveled. <laughs> yeah. So they have all these people folding all these foreskins together to eat, and they don't understand they're about to be producing a bunch of foreskins by force. Indeed. Ooh, this story is going to get gross. More importantly, though, Rock told his followers that since Christ was coming, because don't forget, Seventh Day Adventism is halfway a doomsday religion. Mm. Studying for school was a useless endeavor, not yeah. unlike what our man Kissel's mother told him. Uh, you don't have to go to school today. You never know when Jesus is coming back, but I do know one thing. Piggly Wiggly is open. Would you like to go, Ben? Yes, I would, ma'am. <laughs> I loved Piggly Wiggly. <laughs> so since the group were already firmly in Rock's grip, they relented and stayed with their guru. Now, one of the things to remember about Rock, especially in this episode, is that while he was a monster, he was a monster of the most dangerous variety. Unlike awkward weirdos like Marshall Applewhite or more aggressive evangelists like Jim Jones, Rock Terrio was perceived to be extraordinarily charming to most people, even people outside of his cult, and he could therefore talk his way into or out of damn near anything. I, getting through this episode shows me that Rock Terrio, the Ant Hill Kids, are one of the stickiest cults yeah. I have seen in quite a long time. Heaven's Gate, yeah, they had twenty people for twenty years, right? They or was it thirty two? I forget was the, the final people, number. Yeah, I think, they, I think so. They 
they were there for 20 years, so that was sticky. But I feel like those people were always gonna just be sitting in a basement somewhere in San Diego, eating nothing but beans and air, and listening to a dude with a bowl cut. That they're, well, they were honestly, living their best life. Nowadays, Heaven's Gate wouldn't have killed themselves. They would just be really into VR. So, yeah. Oh, that would be fucking dope. Technology just wasn't where they needed it. Uh, but the Anhill kids, they have multiple opportunities. He just somehow, Rock just... Got these motherfuckers. Well, naturally, yeah. they'll be sticky. They are kids, and God knows they're always getting into something, aren't they? <laughs> no, the, by kids, we mean teenagers, ah. not, not children. Teenagers are kids. <laughs> I, yeah. I believe you're a kid until you're 91. <laughs> you sound like Michael Jackson. <laughs> no, that would be the opposite. Well, concerning Rock's charm, in the beginning, his stop smoking clinics were effective popular and lucrative earning him up to three thousand dollars a week in these clinics rock would explain the virtues of vegetarian living mantras and cold showers all used to stave off nick fits and rock would make it sound like his way was the only way in the entire universe that would stop smoking guaranteed and Marcus actually found out the real secret was the um, the classic move handed down from generation to generation, uh, and it's called getting dogs in a bathtub. <laughs> that's the Can only you proper stop way. With getting dogs in a bathtub. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I did stop smoking after I finally got both dogs in the bathtub. When you put your balls in your butthole, that's when you decided to stop it smoking. A, it was a slippery Saturday, but we got it. <laughs> oh God. Now, reportedly. 85% of the people who attended these clinics did stop smoking, at least for a bit. If they didn't, though, then it was their fault, not Rock's, and they therefore have a reason to come back. Now, not surprisingly, mm. these stop smoking clinics became a place where Rock could recruit more followers. Among the more tragic of those were Jacques Jaguer and his wife, Maurice Grenier. Maurice, in particular, would suffer indignities and tragedies small and large throughout the many years she spent with the cult. And it was all the more tragic because Maurice never actually wanted to join and had only gone along because her husband insisted. She definitely was the Dante of clerks of this entire scenario. (laughs) She's just like, I'm not even supposed to be here. It's kind of a rounding error on her on her part, but uh, it seems like a big one. Yeah. Yep. As far as her husband, Jacques, went. Rock Terrio would eventually turn this docile and sensitive man into a butcher capable of damn near anything. And once you get a guy to do fucking unspeakable, uh, to be honest, to be because he's not an attendant to a surgeon. He's a sous chef to a man who thinks he's a surgeon. When you get a guy <laughs> to do that kind of shit, it's very difficult to roll him back into normal society. Well, absolutely. And dare I say, as someone who goes to Chase Bank on a regular basis, I don't want him to be my banker. Once you start butchering people, that's what you do now. <laughs> but at this point in the cult's timeline, it still seemed to be about spiritual growth seemed to be about clean living. And in the background, there was the inevitable end of the world. Yeah. Ah. And as it was for all of them, Jacques Jaguer was looking for answers, and Rock seemed to have them. However, some of the families of Rock's followers were starting to see through the charade, as both Chantal Labrise and Solange Boylard's parents tried getting their kids to leave before things got too bad. They saw this was a bad road. Oh, yeah. Real question. Your kids are abducted into a cult, but you never really liked them. You, they were going through their own little phases. How many Christmases before you miss them? Four. <laughs> Four Christmases. And they're like, I we got to get these kids back. A college worth of Christmases, because <laughs> yes. then you can get used to having Christmas on your own and then be like, actually, it'd be kind of fun to have the our whole, ungrateful child The whole again. family. Yeah. yeah. Can we just get the yeah. whole family back? Yeah. 
Yeah, because then you realize that you need that child to take care of you when you're older and you have to reconnect. That's the whole point. And then sometimes Wait. that child's also supposed to be working on the house. And you get to the point where your legs and your arms are too feeble to do things around the house. And then you get a call being like, oh, Henry Thomas, there's no, but I tried to go up the other day to clean the gutters by myself. But oh, my hands, they just ached from the surgery I had. Oh, Henry Thomas. Are you telling me that love isn't real? It's just a series of people who can't do something and desperately need you to help? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they call you? Obligations. Obligations. Obligations are love. <laughs> okay. Chantel's parents even went as far as to put her under a four-week mental health evaluation, but Chantel was declared mentally and physically healthy and was released back into Rock Terrio's supervision. Now, Rock realized around this time that his girlfriend's apartment was no place to set up shop if he was going to keep his unit together, and it was especially no place if he wanted to keep a tight grip on his followers. Grip. Jeez, <laughs> this guy is so, such... You keep saying the word grit. Just such, and, yeah. and Rock Terrio, of all of the cult leaders, he definitely had a very tight grip. Well, it's yeah. just amazing because he's having all of these people at his girlfriend's apartment, so he has to be like, mm, I mean, girlfriend doesn't want anyone over tonight. Like, that, it's like so annoying. <laughs> but like, he never said that. But he never said that. No, not once. He just kind of, no. he felt the annoyance of maybe even thinking he but, would have to say that, and he did not... Like, even that feeling. But then if you're the girlfriend, you're like, yeah, I pay rent and everything. And then they're like, oh, so how's the relationship with Rock? You're like, oh, he started a cult in the house. And that's <laughs> what you do. And then you're just like, it's hard to find a man. It is. Well, Rock learned very early on that control meant isolation, especially from his followers' families. So Rock moved all of them to a place where none of them had any kind of familial connections. Even though the town of St. Marie wasn't too far away, and even though it still had a population of about 9,000, it was still the first step Rock Terrio took towards completely cutting off his followers from society. Mm. In St. Marie, Rock and his followers opened the unimaginatively titled Healthy Living Clinic under the umbrella of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and Rock slowly started turning the entire operation into an overt cult. He created Healthy Living Clinic the way the producers of the real world forced those peoples to go to work for plot lines. <laughs> that was episode three, because I think episode two, everyone was just getting too lazy. Episode one, it was madness. Yeah, they just understood. it. like, oh, we just made him work at a t-shirt shop. The same yeah. thing like in Jersey Shore. There is no reason for him. He created this. It's all scenarios. He's all running yeah. games to, because then he I immediately. Think producer is the right equivalent, though, as far as profession goes for him. Oh, Rock Terrio <laughs> yeah. is very much so an executive producer yeah. of this cult. <laughs> now, from what early member Claude Ouellette said, the group had some great times in the beginning. Rock made them feel like they stood out from the rest of society because they were the chosen people named in the Bible. Oh. And this establishment of otherness is key to any cult. But the thing about this sort of mind control is that it is essential that the leader convinces the cult member that they are only special if they are in the cult. But at the same time, they are not special within the cult because the cult is only special because of the leader. Like the E Street Band. No, I, well, <laughs> oh, I don't know if that's true. Are uh, you maligning Clarence Clemens and fucking Louis Stevie right now? R.I.P. Mr. Clarence, I just listened to Bruce all day yesterday. R.I.P. Jesus Christ. By the way, the river, that is the saddest song. I'm sorry I did this. I should have even said this. We're not immediately regret it. No sidebar. But he had a quote that he said often that he said, the people 
When they go to the river to get water from the river, down the river, it's all filled with mud. It's all filled with fish poop. No, he didn't say the fish poop. <laughs> but he's like, it's all filled with mud. But that's why people, when you go to the source, you go to the head of the river, you will see the water is clear. I am the source. In the, are you what? Oh, the source. Me- I thought you were saying the sewers. The sewers. Oh, the source. Yeah, I was like, are you a teenage mutant ninja? What's going on? No, I live at the source. Alligators, they live in the sewers. Okay, you live in the source, I see. Interesting. All right. So to both separate them from society and to remove the individual identities of each member within the cult, Rock Terrio began making all of his followers dress in drab uniforms. Step two. Why not? At the very least, and again, you know me, I don't like these cults, but at the very least, some of them make their make their constituents dress well. Heaven's Gate technically oh. had cool jumpsuits, and man, the uniforms of Scientology don't even fucking talk about how they elegant aren't? LRH looked as the Admiral. <laughs> I don't know about elegant. But. Elegant. He looked like the biggest minion who's ever had a company. Aww. No, these were not stylish in any way whatsoever. Giselle used Maurice's sewing machine to construct loose ankle-length tunics tied at the waist with a rope, pale green for the women and beige for the men, making them all look like monks. The only one that had a different outfit was Rock, who was still wearing the tunic, but his was dark brown. Wow. Wow, like shit. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. Also, again, the same thing when we were bringing up Nexium, but Nexium had those shitty little fucking scarves. Oh, my God. Oh. Don't even, I'm so God. mad about Nexium. Is, I'm, Keith, you don't want to say I'm over poser. it. I'm over, over it. it. No, they over it. All, justice will be done. That's all I say. Rock also told the women that bras were an unnecessary tool of the establishment. Once a, you got to be right sometimes. I mean, honestly, he did kind of hit. That is sort of a leftist feminist thought. So maybe he did hit on that. And Francine Laflamme's glasses were ripped off her face and broken because Rock said that glasses were a technological crutch and her uh, vision could be cured with a holistic diet of his own making. Oh, I hate this guy so freaking much already. But as goofy as a house full of people in homemade tunics full of bean curd casserole teaching people how to quit smoking seemed. With one woman just running into the same wall over and over and over again because she can't see anymore. I also feel like the smoking would actually cover up the smell of that clinic. This is the, oh, this is the first time smoking would have been a better fragrance. Uh, but even the oh, I still love the smell of cigarettes. I know that's because you're violently addicted no, to them. I also still like <laughs> I do not get that. Well, even though it seemed goofy, people were still buying the act. One new member, Leo Mark Foucher, fell for it so hard that he quit his job, sold his house, and made his wife join the group with him, Ugh. all because he believed in rock. Soon, everyone was dropping out of society. Jacques Jaguer and Maurice Grenier sold everything they owned as well, and Francine Laflamme, Maurice Lambert, and Josie Pelletier joined the others in quitting school to dedicate themselves completely to Rock and his message. You know, I guess when The Rock is making bean curd casserole, everyone could smell what The Rock is cooking. (laughs) I'm just happy you did it. I'm just happy that you did it. (laughs) I didn't write these jokes down. This is all solid improv. I didn't think about this before. Yeah, that's how good I am. Wow, I thought for sure that was premeditated. 
Now, the Seventh-day Adventist church was starting to look at Rock Terrio's new venture with great suspicion. Mm. And Pastor Zeta was starting to notice that Rock's followers were much more devoted to Rock than the teachings of the SDA. Uh-oh, we have ourselves a, we have, we have a fight for attention. We do, but <laughs> do you ever see, have you seen the picture of Pastor Zeta in the book of Savage Messiah, essentially doing the shrug, of, like emot- emoticon? <laughs> He's like doing like, I don't know what happened there. He just has this look just, of like, sheesh. <laughs> Just sitting on the, the stoop of something. A, a car accident taking place behind him. People trying to climb out with full of blood. Children are screaming. Eh? At least they're not smoking. What? <laughs> Plus, Giselle Tremblay, Rock's girlfriend, who had given over her apartment as the original hangout, was starting to feel uncomfortable with how all of the women were fawning over Rock and throwing themselves at the guru night after night. Lot of massages. Interesting how she was totally right. To be upset. Yep. So after Giselle brought up the possibility of marriage, Rock agreed to marry her in Montreal, partly as a PR move to satisfy the church and concerned parents and partly to keep Giselle in the group. But this marriage seemed to be the first instance of Rock Terrio acting in a specifically cruel manner towards one of his followers. On the ride back to St. Marie from Montreal after the wedding, Rock sat in the cab of the truck with Nicole and Solange. Giselle, however, spent the entire five-hour ride on a mattress in the truck bed in January in Canada, all while Rock and his two most dedicated followers laughed and joked in the heated cab throughout the entire trip. It begins Hmm. the sadist's trip. Right. Rock Terrio uh, researching into this idea of malignant narcissism or vengeful narcissism is sometimes called uh, this uh, this concept of he now is obviously takes explicit pleasure in making someone else feel bad and also puts him on top. And you're going to see it's a constant game of there's no it's a win or lose a situation with yeah. a malignant narcissism. There's no like everything you have to, you are either a winner or you're a loser. Right. Every situation, every scenario has a winner or a loser. And your job as a malignant narcissism with a sadistic tr- streak, with a sadistic streak, your job is to always be the winner. And so yeah. he wants to show you, okay, I gave you this little thing that you want this like little the marriage. marriage? Thing. Yes. I gave you this little thing. Now you're going to sleep in the back of this car like a dog because, uh, because that's weird. That's how I view you. Yeah. Crazy. Meanwhile, everyone driving past him were just like, what a bunch of losers. Well, no, dude, it's him laughing up there with a bunch of brawless, tunic-wearing, uh, hollow-eyed, cold Jeez. girls. And they're like, that guy, he's got it made. I don't know. <laughs> As it turned out, though, the marriage fooled no one. Pastor Zita was still actively trying to pull followers away towards the traditional SDA church. And parents were starting to get the law involved. Mm. But since Rock was breaking no laws, nothing could be done. Then came the first death. In mid-1978, a leukemia patient named Geraldine Auclair was brought to Rock's health clinic by her husband. And Rock's advice was to stop medical treatments immediately Uh. and replace them with grape juice and, quote-unquote, natural products that Rock, of course, sold. Predictably, within weeks, Geraldine Auclair was dead. Rock did claim that he'd kissed her after she'd expired, and she'd briefly come to life. (laughs) (laughs) But that was the most he could do, because God had decided that it was her time to go. And that's why it was important for me to kill her again. 
Yeah, really. <laughs> I just thought it is very important. She awakened and she said, oh, God, oh, God. And I looked at her and I was like, oh, no, this is going to be a lot of explanation. <laughs> I don't even know what accent that is, but I like it. So he really he went the prune brothers route, huh? He's just like, go, go with grapefruit. Go with prunes. And yep. th- for some reason, they always say grapefruit and prune juice is going to uh, going to cure you. Well, yeah. it's just because it makes you poop and pee a bunch. Well, yeah, no, the prune brothers, they, their prescription was based on a horny old lady who couldn't shit. <laughs> yeah. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> totally different situation. You can't I even don't. compare the two. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, about a month later, Pastor Zita, who was also noticing that the money coming into Rock's clinic never seemed to make it to the church, even though the church was providing him with all the product, Zita teamed up with a bunch of other SDA pastors and voted Rock out of the religion. And that should handle it. This is this is the only time where I will say I am happy that the church got undercut by not to say undercut again because I've been saying it a lot but I'm happy that they got scammed in their own game. Oh, of course, where they're just like, "Where's that's our goddamn money scam to convince people that we are speaking with God and they give us the money." Yeah, you're going to take the money from us because guess what? It wasn't about the cancer girl dying. No, no it, it was about the money not coming yes. into the church. Yeah, that's how it always goes. It's not, you know, fucking Sony didn't take Cyberpunk 2077 off of the fucking Sony store because it was a shitty unfinished game. They took it off because CD Projekt Red fucked with Sony's money. Wow. Okay. I'm just going to let that sit. I feel That's too hot to touch. I I already have third degree burns on my hand from a cooking accident. I don't want to touch anymore. Yeah, you actually can't even grab the net. No way. Now, the Seventh-day Adventist church thought that if they kicked Rock to the curb, his grip on his followers would lessen. But since they knew nothing about how cults worked, this ended up having the opposite effect. Instead of leaving, some of the members were bound to the group even closer through marriages to each other. Step three. Rock paired Jacques Fassette to Nicole Ruel and Claude Ouellette to Solange Boylard, even though none of them had any inkling of romantic interest in one another. But since Rock wanted it, they figured there must be a reason. So all of them did it without complaint. I feel like the Seventh-day Adventist church couldn't recognize that this was a cult because it's a cult. Yes. Yeah. And so they were just like, everything seems normal on the outside. Well, they, but they are messing with our money. If you want to ruin a cult, make it seem cool to the establishment. They should have had Pastor Zita should have shown up on a skateboard and a backwards hat <laughs> just being like, y'all are actually the coolest guys in the playground out here tonight. And that's why you're in charge now, Rock. Like, make him in charge of the church. And they're all be like, oh, this is so fucking normie. I don't want to yeah. be a part of this. I remember when it was fucking indie, dude. Now it's fucking corporate. (laughs) Exactly. It's about fundraising. See, from what Pastor Zeta said, there was no way to argue with Rock Terrio, even if you weren't one of his followers. He'd just sit there and stare with one eye closed and the other eye focused directly on you. And somehow he always found a way to win an argument. Do you feel like that there was almost a symbolic nod towards Odin? Or is that just my... Just this is just that just edibles. I think that's edibles. But okay, I think he right. just. I, th- <laughs> I think he did the one. He did the one eye thing. I think as a way to just sort of throw people off. Cool. You know, because you're thinking the, the entire time you're not thinking about your argument. You're thinking of why is he staring at me? Why does he have one eye closed? Why is he doing that? So he's able to throw you off your fucking game. Like if you look at me like this and you're trying to tell, like try to do the next section of the show and tell me if this mm. does this affect you. Now. Do- <laughs> Yeah, it affects me. I don't like it. I keep thinking, why are you... Now, during... 
In because it's, it's an audio medium, you jackass Henry. Uh, Henry is looking at Marcus with a sneer that is very, I'm going to say, Polish detective with a hunch. I shaved my butthole today. Oh, God. Good for you. That, that should make getting those dogs in that bathtub a oh, lot easier. Right. Henry, you, Marcus, before the show, literally said, can we have just less sidebars? We've got a big script here today. And I'm you, sorry. Marcus. I'm sorry. You're, <laughs> Jesus. Sorry. You're right. You're right. You're right. Now, during the double wedding, Rock officiated, stressing how the woman had to be submissive to the man. Always. Now, even though they didn't agree with the whole fucking thing, Solange's parents attended as a way to keep their daughter close, but ended up sobbing through the ceremony and the reception, where the cult served a vegetarian meal that Solange's parents said looked and tasted like mud. (sighs) What's interesting, though, is that at this point, sex had not been added to the cult's equation, not even with Giselle. She said that Rock only had sex with her to shut her up and oddly equated his lovemaking style with how one would make love to a fridge. Sounds like a fucking pandemic LG fucking commercial. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? It's weird is that this is also a thing I uncovered with the sadist. The sadist will specifically not have sex with someone who wants to have sex with him or her. They actually prefer they would rather not get laid and actually get sexual gratification more from turning a person down than from actually busting a nut. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. I must be a sadist then. I can't, I'm just like, get away from Oh, my God. Instead, Rock would stay up all night talking with the other women as they hung on his every word and constantly told him how wonderful he was. And as a result, Giselle reached her limit by the spring of 1978, even though she was pregnant with her first child with Rock. She threatened to leave, But in response, Rock committed his first act of overt violence towards a follower. He punched his pregnant wife in the face, leaving her mouth bloody and swollen, and didn't allow her to leave her room for two days. You know what is, uh, and it really came as a surprise, and it was a very sudden escalation. And he had obviously been thinking about him waiting to when he was going to start laying the violence down. I think he had a plan, almost, because... He literally went as bubbly, uh, maybe distant cult leader of this group. But everyone thought of him as just like a pure man. Like up until this point, he was quote unquote good. He just did mm-hmm. all the isolation shit and working people and making them tired and, and, and fucking with their diet. But this was, I was like, he didn't even hesitate. She said she was going to leave and he just popped her in the mouth, which shows that he, he was already, this was already in his toolkit. Yeah. Now, at this point, the cult was at a crossroads. The SDA church was no longer supplying them with natural food products or literature to sell. Local merchants were sending debt collectors. And the death of Geraldine Auclair, while under Rock's care, certainly didn't help matters either. So, with a following of 12 women, 6 men, and 2 children, Rock decided that it was time to crank up the paranoia and skip town. Just like Jim Jones had done when things were going wrong for him in Indianapolis right before they went to California. Rock told his followers that the Armageddon foretold in the Book of Revelation was finally coming. The day of his proclamation was July 6th, and Rock said that the Day of Reckoning would arrive on February 17th of the following year. Too short of a lead time. Isn't that crazy? But... Rock told his followers that there was some good to go along with the bad. Yeah, it was terrible that the world was ending. (laughs) What? But there was good news. What is that? 
The good news was that Rock was God's personal emissary, no appointed kid. by the man himself. What? And, yeah. What? And, right here in Canada? <laughs> we found him? What? He's covered in asbestos? <laughs> and since all of his followers were already bound to Rock, they would be saved as well. Oh, boom. Nice. Boom. Flip it. No big deal. Boom. I love it. I love being a chosen one, Lord. Yes. This is great. All they had to do was escape the evils of society and return to nature. And when Armageddon came, Rock and his 20 followers would form the core of a new society that would usher in Jesus's thousand year reign. I, I am not. Oh, hey, oh, oh. Oh, hey, oh, oh. I'm sick of that song. Can we play a different song? Can you maybe come down to like some say, Dio? No, this is like Jesus's favorite. This is song. his favorite yeah, song. Yeah, yeah, God, yeah. I'm just so sick of it. And when he came back, he's fucking pissed as hell. Can you see? I have a machine gun now. No, machine gun Jesus. <laughs> and I don't want to victim blame, but true question. When it comes to the ego of cult members, like the idea that these people believe that they have met the best friend of Jesus, they also have to have an ego on them, don't they? Well, that's- To think that, hey, yeah, of course I did. Why wouldn't I? I'm so charming. I don't think it's ego. It's uh, it's something. It's actually, I think it's the complete other side of it. It's the opposite of that. They are so, uh, re- they have such little belief in themselves uh. that they are willing to believe anybody. And they have such little self-worth that they need so badly to feel special. And because this man is saying, I am God's emissary, and they are attached to that man, then that makes them special. And that fills a hole, a gigantic, huge gaping hole in these people. So you don't think that they're going to go out to the uh, at the bar and just be like, I know the best friend of Jesus, you fucking <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, I mean, they, they might. Are. Well, they talk, they, they say, say that people do get kind of a, a, a an ego boost right. from dating a narcissist because the narcissist builds up this myth. If he is now, the limit on his ego now is I am God's best friend. Right, Jesus. so that's his leak. That's his ego size. So right. he has enough ego for everybody else to feed off of it and supplant their own missing sense of self worth with literally the light of God's first cousin. I get to yeah. see he is inside of me now. I am a part of that, and so I actually get a boost right, because right. the narcissist is chosen to be with me, right. and so it, it, you start to forgive all of the abuses that come with choosing to be. Per, like you have become your number friends two of the best friend of Jesus. Yes, and yet you're number yeah. two to yourself. To yourself. Now, I'm making this proclamation that society was evil. Rock created an environment of passive danger for the cult, which is a tactic still used to this day by religious figures and politicians as a way to gain loyalty through fear. They convince their followers that the entire world is full of satanic child molesters out to drink your blood, and anyone who says that the world isn't full of satanic child molesters is most likely. Also a satanic child molester. Again, even a broken clock is right twice a day. Honestly, when it comes down to it, yeah, just fucking walk through the fox lot and see what's going on over there. Uh, see, we, this- we, should, we should start. When, when things do open up, I'm going to walk through the Paramount lot and just lot and just start yelling pedophile and see who looks shook. Yeah, go. Huh? Pedophile. <laughs> see who runs. See who runs. See, by this point, Rock had already convinced his followers that his way was the only way, just like he convinced hundreds of smokers of the same thing. And since they'd already dropped out of society in every way that mattered, moving out to the woods to escape Armageddon seemed like the only logical thing to do. 
In their mind, this was right. logical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess in an illogical world, this this makes sense, I suppose. In an insane world, only the sane stay sane, and the insane are the ones who are sane. Now you're going to make me quote Chris Farley from Dirty Work about the half nose, and we've got to get back to this. So three days after the proclamation was made, the group set out on foot from a town called St. Joe's. And after two days of traveling and 13 miles of walking, they found an isolated area that was four hours of walking time from even the nearest road. Rock dubbed their new home Eternal Mountain, and the group quickly set about building a compound from scratch. Starting at 5 a.m. every day, the followers spent the summer cutting down trees, hauling rocks, and digging wells, while Rock directed from the sidelines, complaining about stomach pains and, oh no, I've got cancer. I've got cancer. Maybe he ate too much pizza, huh? <laughs> but he, uh, he did debilitate you for an entire episode. Yeah. Uh, but he, um, this is where the executive producer title really comes in. Yes, where he doesn't do anything? Nope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The only other person who didn't work was Gabriel Nadeau. She was a new convert with multiple sclerosis who had decided that the cult was the best thing for her MS. And she spent her days and nights lying alone in a tent. Cool. (laughs) Uh, Since they were in the wilderness, everyone starved. And if anyone disobeyed Rock, he'd reduce what little portions they had at dinner every night. Rock also kept everyone up all night long giving speeches. And the sleep deprivation, combined with the food rationing, made everyone highly suggestible. Right. Well, following that was the inevitable changing of the names. Everyone was given new names from the Old Testament, which served both to kill their old identities and to give their new lives a biblical feel. Meanwhile, I was doing the steps. This is like steps four, five, and six. It's crazy how it's just all like in a cult manual. Right. Yeah. Giselle became Esther. Solange became Rachel. Gabriel became Thursta. Chantel became Ruth, Claude became Boaz, Jacques became Nathan, and so on and so forth. Man, Nathan is such a downstep from Jacques. Yeah, hold on a second. You can't do a cult name that's also a name. It's like, they need to be like chloroquine. It needs to be like crazy (laughs) names. You don't just go from a Nancy to a Barbara. That doesn't make any sense. He's not trying to walk him out all the way to the land of J.R.R. Tolkien yet. He wants to start with a, he's in the Bible world. Right now, he's got to get him used to these kind of new first level names, because then he's got to get used to Jerking off in front of everybody. You know what I mean? It's a build. It's a build. supposed to be like T-T-Q-Fit. No, it's a build. It's a build. All right, I see. But with these names, Rock was exerting even more subtle control on some of his followers. For example, Rock would routinely tell follower Francine Laflamme that she was grossly overweight, even though she, just like everyone else in the cult, was terribly malnourished and very much looked like it. But to drive home his false claim, Rock gave Francine the Old Testament name of Hogla. Hmm. <laughs> That's cute. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> it's kind of cute. <laughs> no, Hogla's Hogla. a, a good name for a pug. Not for yeah, a Oh, it's a great no. name for a pug. I know. I am separate. I'm just saying I never heard the name Hogla before. No, Hogla comes, it's like the name it's... of a girl best friend in a 1997 high school comedy. Well done. <laughs> oh, man. That was Bridget, uh, Brittany Murphy. Brittany Murphy. Mm. Well, as far as his own name went, Rock chose a suitably overblown moniker. Because he was leading his tribe into the wilderness at God's instruction, Rock gave himself the name Moses. Moses! And that, <laughs> and that was what his followers, and later even the press, formally called him from then on. Informally, Rock made his followers call him 
happy, while Giselle, Rock's wife and therefore everyone's new mother, was called Mammy. Oh, Pappy and Mammy well, doing you... all sorts of bad things in the fucking cabin. Well, honestly, <laughs> it sounds like something you have to do once a year. You got to go to the doctor, get your Pappy, get your Mammy, make sure you're safe out there. <laughs> Cancer's a very real thing. I honestly think it's nice to call them little cute little names because then like, you exactly. won't worry about getting your breast smushed or your ball, your balls squished. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I just, that pisses me off. And maybe, no, maybe media hasn't gotten any better at this, but it just pisses me off. The media's like, yeah, Moses sounds good. No, it's Rock Terrio. <laughs> I think Rock is a better name than Moses, but they got really into this is the beginning too when they were just cute yeah at first they thought they were cute uh but it's already not cute at this point no but they didn't know no, i guess no, they did no, not no, know. no 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 no, no. Uh, but i we, when we were talking about it in the production call like it's interesting to see that rock terrio we were asking the question how did he know how to do the exact steps of creating a cult that now are sort of stereotypical mm. like he did them all instinctually he uh isolated them told them their parents were bad he malnourished them he worked them to the point of hysteria he kept them at high excitable rates where he would go and he would he put wigs on and do fucking bits where he would like hold up a fucking carrot to his mouth and pretend to do karaoke and shit where he was doing like fucking adam sandler bits where he's like i'm i'm the rake man i'm the rake man which is a nice night here at the cult actually he's doing his adam sandler bit i'm the rake man i'm the rake man it's pretty big I'm starving, but it's pretty good. It's just, he did all of these. So you had all of this shit going on, and then he gave them the names. He lessened their identity. How the fuck does he know to fucking follow the cult leader manual? How do you do it without Google? Is that the question? Yep. Well, I think it really is. It really is instinct. Like humans don't get enough credit, or at least we don't really think a, a lot about uh, social instinct. That humans are social creatures. That's how we evolve to survive. We evolve to survive in villages as sh- social beings. And so, so with someone like Rockteria, with a narcissist, uh, they have that same instinct, but they have a couple of switches in their brain flipped that the rest of us don't have. This is how he knows to work in society. This is what he knows how to do. This is how he knows how to get the things that he wants. And he's just following some sort of fucking evil instinct uh, that gives him exactly what he wants. When someone M- much who is- like the Blues Brothers... Much like, Much like the Blues yeah. Brothers, but because he, if he is, you know, again, I'm just diagnosing him, but he just, it seems a really, it fits a lot of ways, but the idea of this form of narcissism, if you have it, or malignant narcissism, whatever other cult leaders have, whatever, because he, he got something, he has lack of impulse control, he has a sexual love of pain, like yeah. which is also bad, that's real bad, and then he also, because of his, his whatever he's got going on in his head, he's actually an ultra empath. So he can actually tell a lot about people by the way they speak and hold themselves instinctually, but instead like an empath using it to whatever, understand people or or sell crystals, you are going to use it to fuck with people. And of course, if you are into that kind of stuff, kink.com, very safe, very consensual, very fun. We know that. (laughs) No, the BDSM community is filled with love. The whole point of being... Yeah, BDSM. Yeah, the BDSM community. The sadists in that world, the whole point, the reason why they're giving pain is because it gives pleasure to the sub and they're doing it out of love. They're not doing it out of the love of the necessarily just of the giving of pain. They're giving it because it's supposed to make someone come. And that's why I'm here as a representative for Jersey Mike's. We love subs. (laughs) I want to see a guy in a fucking dog suit fucking eating a Jersey Mike sandwich. That'd be incredible. I thought this was about sandwiches, guys. (laughs) 
Now, when shit got really weird with the new names, Rock did lose a couple of followers, including the guy who had sold his house and quit his job to join the clinic. But in this, Rock saw a new opportunity. Instead of forcing them to stay, or even trying to convince them to stay, he told his followers that the devil had gotten to them, and everyone solemnly nodded in agreement with the knowledge that they had something new to fear. Even here, the devil would still get to us. You can just see their brain, clink, 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 clink. Yeah, that checks out. That's good. Yeah, that checks out, yeah. <laughs> now, with everyone working so goddamn hard, sleeping so little, and eating even less... Rock began the process of isolating his followers mentally and emotionally, in addition to the physical distance he'd introduced. He gave endless lectures about the decadence of modern civilization and told his followers that the only way to purify themselves was to recognize that society was corrupt and evil while the commune was just and good. Mm. But he had his followers talk as well, using the age-old cult technique of confession. He coaxed the deepest secrets from each member, using any sort of childhood trauma as evidence that their families were agents of Satan. Pretty soon, Rock wasn't allowing his followers to speak of even a single happy memory from their former lives. And night after night, Rock drilled the idea that anything that came before Eternal Mountain was dangerous, miserable, and most of all, satanic. Ah, fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, so I didn't super- know my fucking job at the video store was fucking satanic, dude. Fuck yeah. Super fun. Jimmy Josh delivery driver for the devil. For the devil. <laughs> super fun. Got this REM tape stuck in my freaking goddamn cassette player. Fuck yeah, dude. I you are losing your religion, dude. Yeah, man. For the devil. Woo. But while Rock preached about the evils of societal decadence, he used the Bible to justify his own. Oh, wow. See, by October, Giselle had noticed that most of the women were desperately lonely up there on Eternal Mountain, so she went to Rock to tell him so. His response to this legitimate concern was to take inspiration from the Old Testament, citing the concubines of King David and King Solomon, and Rock declared that he would take on the solemn task of sleeping with all the single women, framing it all as Giselle's idea. Someone has got to do it, my friend. It is a dirty job, but I I guess if the prescription is cock, well, I guess I am a doctor. (laughs) I don't think that you are, and that is not the prescription. The prescription was simple human interaction and a mild amount of affection and love. You mean (laughs) a cock? No, not a cock. Not everything is about a cock. It rhymes with rock. Oh, I hate call leaders. All they do is talk about their cocks. But when Giselle got upset that Rock had twisted her words so badly, he threw her to the ground and choked her, declaring that he was Moses, he was her master, and if she didn't do as she was told, the Lord would crush her skull. But just as Rock was really getting his cult up and running, the massacre in Jonestown occurred and threatened to spoil the good times of cults all across North America. Oh my God! This is like when Jackie got booked in that Crockpot commercial. And oh yeah, that stupid is- <laughs> show uh, the destroyed was- the whole campaign because the what, what was, was it? The- this is us or something? Yeah, the this whole is thing us. was predicated on a house fire started by a Crockpot. The entire campaign was canceled. What I'm saying is sometimes things from the outside can affect your inside. Yep. <laughs> well, for Rock's part, he was fascinated and claimed that he'd had a dream the year before that specifically this would happen. Of course he did. <sighs> But since the Jonestown tragedy was so vast and the body count was so high, people the world over, including Canadians, started paying a hell of a lot more attention to the cults that seemed to be springing up everywhere. 
Canada spent a lot of energy and time and money on on investigating Colts. They actually yeah. really them. tried. They they had there were several big agencies that tr- they kind of created on the fly, especially because it was like Jonestown happened and then Order of the Solar Temple happened. Right. Um, but they did not stop the anthill kids from happening. Interesting. No. You can just see the detectives just driving driving down the street, and be like, "Oh, there's Robert Picton, but there's a group of ten people gathering three blocks away. We better make sure it's not a cult. We got to <laughs> grab them. There's Robert Picton back there, though. Because Picton's got some. Have you been? To that hog farm? Oh, that place is nasty. No place rockin'. for a cult. Yeah, it's rocking though. Yeah, it is rocking. Well, as a result of the Jonestown massacre, by December, the family members that Rock's followers had left behind were making a lot of noise, and both the media and the police became highly interested in what was going on at Eternal Mountain. Many of Rock's followers were given extensive psychiatric tests, but all of them were found to be agreeable, coherent, and living at Eternal Mountain under their own free will. As far as Rock went, the psychiatrist who examined him said that while Rock did show a tendency for schizophrenic hallucination, he was also normal and agreeable. And besides, he was just so goddamn charming. Wait, did you just say a tendency for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. that's like, most people don't have tendency to just be like crazy. They just considered him to be this loopy humble Jesus guy because he put on this ah shucks like personality mm-hmm. where he'd go in and be like well I am just a I am just a mine near the woods you were doing eight yeah. accents around the same character French I'm just a man of the woods I do not know the difference between a bean and a gun. I do not know the difference between know. a lake and a toilet. Let <laughs> us just be our lives. Let us just teach our kids and make our fox. Well, being, a bean and a gun will both make you crap your pants. Yeah. And so, with a stamp of approval from the authorities, Rock escalated once again. He announced that all previous marriages were annulled, and from then on, all the women, with the exception of one, would be married to Rock. The only one not included in this mass union was Maurice Grenier, who was still none too happy that her husband had dragged her and their child to the top of a goddamn mountain. See, see Maurice is one of the hardest people to understand in this cult, because while she obviously despised Rock Terrio, she was still under his control. But this actually made her perfect for Rock's purposes. Because to a narcissist like Rock, an enemy at hand is always useful. You have somebody you can always use as an example of what not to do. Yeah. And so you, you keep them specifically in the cult. You don't kick them out, even though that would actually be the logical thing. Wouldn't you want to fire somebody from the cult? You know what I mean? Like, you're a weak link. Get the hell out of here. I didn't see you, lo- I didn't see you drag any beans, any right. fucking you rice drag more fucking beans. bags. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But he uses her as being like, and this is someone who does something bad. I think the reason why she ended up staying in the cult is because, as we'll see, Rock Terrio used the children as a control mechanism. Mm. Yeah. He I'm always used children as a choke point. So disgusting. And so, while everyone else was outside working all day, Rock would bring the women into the cabin for sex. Or he'd do it late at night after everyone else was allowed to go to sleep, often with more than one woman at a time. Some, like Nicole and Chantel, giggled and fawned over Rock. But others, like Solange, looked up to Rock as one does in regards to a stern father, with a mixture of fear and admiration. But no matter how they looked at him, it was always in the context of obedience. 
And don't worry, Rock got plenty fucking gross with each one. If any, if all you people wonder <laughs> when's it gonna get gross, fucking about to get gross right why, now. Why are you yelling at me? I, I, <laughs> when's it gonna get gross? Then I think the whole thing is gross because of the way Rockteria looks. He looks like if a sponge fucked a piece of coral. He is disgusting. <laughs> well, when Gabriel, Wait, I guess sponges are coral. Yeah. 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 No shit. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you just discovered that on your own. Light bulb. You don't even need a teacher. <laughs> when Gabrielle slept with Rock for the first time, he put her hand on his massive penis and asked her if the size suited his status as a prophet before pushing her head down to his bushy groin. Okay, down periscope. I don't like it. I don't want to play submarine today. He also made a decree that he would sleep with none of them unless the objective was to get them pregnant. And before long, multiple women in the camp were pregnant and working just as hard as ever. This is great. You got no money. You got no time on your hands. You have no infrastructure. It's time to bring some kids into the mix. Uh, But he was actually trying to avoid originally bringing kids in the mix. That's why it was BJ's only. But then he decided he needed to nut the other way uh, in the barn door. And so he made as many children as he possibly could. And then he he started talking about Joseph Smith. And he talked about building the church like the way normal people build the church. But I also don't like it's the sentence that he says that it's always like it's I hear this often when you read about things like the LDS or all these types of organizations where someone says he's like it is it is nothing but love anything with love is the children they come it's like so gross also to be fair he didn't really make the kids most of that happens there in the womb yeah yeah Uh, he just kind of of (laughs) and then it's just like okay well, Rock also figured out very early on that a good way to get people under your control is to make them fight amongst each other for attention. So he began pitting every woman against each other by subtly talking shit. Real world versus road rules. This this man, is, does he work for MTV? <laughs> <laughs> Well, eventually, the women began trying to one-up each other by writing Rock hand-delivered love letters that both exalted him as a leader and denigrated themselves as subservient followers. Here's an example from Gabriel, who had been given the appropriate biblical name of Thursta. Adored Pappy and well-loved master, my heart is sliding next to your immense father's heart. You have brought a lot of peace to me. I am happy about the lovely family that you have formed and have allowed me to join. I thank you equally for the promise of better days. I feel very good at being at your side, to be one of your children, and to live simply but fully. It feels wonderful to realize we are all of one body that is not condemned to die. And before finishing... I would like to tell you again what I told you when I had the impression of losing my breath the other night. I am slime. I am less than nothing. And I beg your pardon for all of the errors of my flesh. I love you, Pappy. And I will love you eternally. Thirsta. P.S. Please excuse my handwriting. (laughs) She goes on to say, 
I would swallow my pride. I would choke on the rinds, <laughs> but the lack thereof would leave me empty inside. Oh, swallow this is very good. Yeah, this is really swallow my doubt. Turn it inside out. out. Find nothing, nothing but faith in nothing. Want to put my tender heart in the blender? Watch it spin around like a beautiful oblivion. Wow. Anyway, she was really talented. Rendezvous, and I'm through with you. Yes, indeed. That was my crutch. <laughs> now, once the sex began flowing freely, Rock Terrio gave in to debauchery completely, mostly because he no longer had to toe the line of Seventh-day Adventist bullshit to keep a hold on his followers. He abandoned vegetarianism, consumed Pepsi and potato chips voraciously, what? and after two years as a sober man, drank beer and cognac for hours at a time which invariably led to the extreme violence for which Rock Terrio is known. When did all the holistic stuff get thrown out the window? Uh, as soon as they started nutting in multiple people like a giant, <laughs> big, hairy octopus. Gee, all right. So that was just, that, that, that's all gone now. Oh, well, he's just like, contr- that was a part of his control. That's like, just that control. was only there for control. And now he's got them isolated. He's got all new controls that he's yeah. figuring out. But okay. now he's eating like Kumel Nanjiani on a cheat day, if you follow right. his Instagram. But his. He's very look, buff. He's very buff. I love Kumel. But Rock Terrio. It's weird because then the switch is also purposeful. He is now showing you just how flagrantly he can break the, his own rules that he set up because he is God's fucking golfing caddy. He shows you up. <laughs> he shows and he's like the idea of going from being corn casserole to actively drinking soda and smashing chips in your mouth right. is such a it's a psychological move. Well, mm-hmm. they can all see being like. Holy shit! He just can change. He changed our laws. He changes our laws. He is above us. He's he went yeah. from he went from Dean Warmer to Bluto. Yep. Yeah. From mm-hmm. if, if Bluto became Dean. Yes. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all in one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint. You can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with Horse picks. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse picks over various country borders... I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. 
Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Legend has it, underneath the NJM insurance offices lies a mysterious room of long-forgotten moldy mascot memorabilia, often pitched by ad agencies, always rejected by NJM. Is it real? We may never know. But what is real is NJM's dedication to doing what's right for their customers. Astoundingly, they're proud to put policyholders first. No jingles or mascots, just great insurance. Learn more at NJM.com. Now, night after night, Rock would drink and rant. And if someone fell asleep during his long sermons, Rock had a wooden club that he'd use to beat them awake. When Maurice Grenier ate pancakes without Rock's permission, he broke two of her ribs, despite the fact that she was pregnant. Some of the more particular cruelties, however, were inflicted upon the children. See, at this point, there were plenty of kids and babies running around the camp, most of whom were Rock's own flesh and blood. But if a child was not Rock's, then Rock treated them and made everyone else treat them as if they were less than human. He considered them animals and ordered that the kids sleep apart from their parents, treating them worse than dogs. When Maurice Grenier's six-month-old baby Samuel cried, Rock ordered that she strip the baby naked and roll him in snow until the baby's entire body was blue and swollen. All right, today's lesson, we're going to teach you all how to make your children comedians. All right, here we go. Who's got the six-month-old that's crying? Pretty soon, Rock was extending physical punishment to anyone who disobeyed him. Then afterward, the follower would write a groveling letter of apology peppered with the insecurities that Rock himself had introduced. This letter is from Francine Laflamme, a.k.a. Hogla, who was beaten after she took seconds at dinner. Hello, Pappy. I am writing about what you said on the subject of nutrition. It is very true that I nibble. A damnable fault, which I will never again repeat. The thought of ingesting such a large quantity of food in so little time discourages me, even if I work outside the entire day without eating. I ask that you forgive me. If it is stealing, I did not realize it. It is this fault which causes my plumpness. I do not want to be a fat and plump servant. That is too ugly next to the man that you are. I wish to be a true servant to you, my master. Alert, vigorous, with a clear and lively spirit and well-balanced to serve you every moment of my life. I have a long way to go. Thank you, Pappy. I love you. Hawkla. Is this the same guy that we've been like talking about? He is so gross looking. Yeah, man, but yeah, he's a huge old cop. But we're but, saying I had. We have now gotten several emails from women of the Canadian persuasion who are like, "Oh yeah, I'll slide on that toboggan." Well, of course, <laughs> if we're going to put it into a snow euphemism, I mean, I'll do a whole series of things with him. Now, Maurice started talking about leaving once the abuse piled upon both her and her child got to be too much. But when Rock heard about her intentions, he took it as an opportunity to introduce even more control. As punishment for even thinking about leaving, Rock ordered Maurice's husband, Jacques, to cut off one of her toes with an axe. 
Now, at first, Jacques refused, but Rock immediately shamed him into it by saying Jacques didn't have any balls. And didn't uh, he, have, he also it, he did a hardcore. The? He also dropped a, dropped a hardcore f word back in there. Yeah, well, he did. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But this is exactly what happened in Major League with the testicles, <laughs> with the balls. This is the whole joke about the dude who couldn't hit the home runs. And they're like, you got no balls. He's like, I got big balls. Oh, my God. This whole thing this is, is just so Major League <laughs> 3. <sighs> what is going You got no balls. You better cut off your woman's toe. Oh, that's a good point. Oh, I, want oh, oh, you, oh, I didn't think about it like that. I certainly well, don't want not- you to give me a kid's snow day like you gave to Samuel. Well, he's going to be very funny when he grows up. Well, I mean, that didn't sway Jacques. Jacques still refused, even though Rock's okay. there screaming at him, you don't know what, you don't have what it takes to teach your woman a lesson, so on and so forth. Yeah. Jacques only agreed to do it when Rock threatened to cut off all of Maurice's toes. Mm. And since Jacques believed him, and since Rock had such a strong hold, he took the axe and cut off his wife's pinky toe in front of the whole group. Oh, my God. That's it. No more flip-flops. No more flip-flops. <laughs> That'll be a hell of a conversation at home. Good grief. The only person at this point who couldn't take the violence was founding member Jacques Fassette, who had been one of the first four people brought into the SDA by Pastor Zita. From what Rock told his other members, however, Fassette left because the devil had claimed yet another member. Now, of course, the world did not end on February 17th, 1979, like Rock had predicted, which seemed to negate the entire reason why he'd taken everyone out into the wilderness in the first place. Right. Rock's excuse for this was that time works differently in heaven. Oh! And it was. <laughs> so I am dumb. You're I stupid. Am dumb. I get Time's it. different in heaven. I am yeah. wrong. Yeah, one second in heaven may be as 40 years on Earth. Whoa! And because of this, his calculations got all mussed up. These calculations! It got, got muddled up. Oh! <laughs> you know, in North Korea, it's the year 109. Huh. Yeah, it begins at the... Uh, Begins at the birth of the uh, of Kim Jong uh, Soon, I believe. Kim wow. Yeah, but this almost made things even more terrifying because yeah. it meant that Armageddon could come at any moment. Here comes! Whoa! Here comes Armageddon! Whoa! Whoa. Here comes! <laughs> mean. Yeah. Meanwhile, newspaper- here comes Armageddon! Oh God damn it! I did. <laughs> Meanwhile, a newspaper out of Quebec City had discovered the cult and it published an adoringly positive article with a title that almost sounds like a joke. The headline read, quote, They they are happy and free to leave if they wish. What? Horrible investigative reporting. I think that's safe to say. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think the Quebec City Times has the fucking best staff around. No, they they just thought they were cute. They literally thought that they were a bunch of, uh, they are rustic, uh, country there were a bunch of people wearing hillbillies. potato sacks who were starved to death with a bunch of kids who aren't being taken care of su- suffering at the hands of a man who looks like a like a pro wrestler who didn't make the cut they are trying to say it's their religious freedom to go out there and we can't judge them just because they like the smell of logs both <laughs> wood and shit this is where open-mindedness finds a, a fault, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. This is where you can be too open-minded. Well, actually, with this, I would say this is more bad journalism. Because the reason why the coverage was positive was that because their main source was Jacques Fassette, the follower who left. And he'd had nothing but the nicest things to say about Rock Terrio and the lifestyle that the group was living. Yeah, really? he was just leaving because he was just sick of it. He just didn't want to be on the commune anymore. And it was before everybody started getting beat. 
Yeah. Well, oh. he said no. He he left when people started getting beat. Ah. Uh, but he said he left not because he was dissatisfied with the conditions or because anything untoward was happening. He said he left because he was curious about the outside world. Oh, like a and cat. He deci- yeah. <laughs> and he decided his path lay elsewhere. I think this is one of those things where it, it's uh, like we talked about in Scientology, where like people who leave Scientology still can't say anything right. bad about L. Ron Hubbard. Right. It's the same shit because he's, he's like fresh out of this shit. Absolutely. So he's like the lessons were good lessons yeah. taught by a teacher that was maybe a little grumpy. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'll never diss Burger King. I worked there for a summer, and I'm, I'm always Burger King, man. <laughs> well, also, like, you got to remember this guy is he's still... Yeah, indoctrinate. He said This guy is still a Christian. Uh, he's still not sure... Like. He's still thinking Rock Terrio might be the emissary of God. Maybe. <sighs> so okay. he's thinking if he talks shit, then <sighs> God might strike him down. Oh, yeah. God take that dead. chance at any rate. Well, God always reads. What was that newspaper again? Uh, the Quebec City Times, yeah, I think. Yeah, that's, that's God's favorite. Oh, that's yeah. what he gets delivered every <laughs> single morning. The Quebec City Times. He reads it up in heaven. Yeah, yeah. And, and they'll be delighted to know God is Canadian. Isn't that <laughs> nice? That's why he never... But no, no, God is not... He doesn't apologize nearly enough. <laughs> no, I he go, doesn't. I could go for a little I'm sorry from God every yep. now and again. Yeah. Well, the article did inspire another round of psychiatric evaluations. And Rock was actually committed to a mental hospital while his psychiatric evaluation was being done. Rock, however, flipped it and called press conferences with the local media who unanimously said, oh, leave him alone. They made Rock out to be a folk hero, a shining example of a rugged Canadian blazing a trail in the wilderness. (laughs) They wrote fawning op-eds with the Montreal star fretting that this soft-spoken mountain man would never recover, quote, the serenity he had found prior to his arrest. Oh, no, I'm crying for him. Whoa. You're about to get rolled in snow if you keep that up. Oh, I'm a snow cone. <laughs> you are a kid. Even the director of the mental hospital got on Rock's side, saying that maybe the general public were the crazy ones. Wait, Did you ever I... think about it like that? Mm-hmm. All about... while he willingly referred to Rock by his chosen name of Moses. Proud to be an American. Well, at least you know I'm free. free. I am so mad right now. There's a middle ground. There's a middle. There's a middle ground between like the uh, I guess permissiveness of Canada and the over incarceration and over punishment yeah, of America. Saying, I'm Dude, not saying in that. America we gave them tax fucking exempt status. Scientology <laughs> doesn't pay taxes. I I paid so much more taxes. Scientology you want to do that year. now? You want to do tax corner? You I, think that's what the audience wants to hear? Everyone's struggling. I am just saying that that's what we <laughs> we folded them in. As long as they're making money for the the, the top of the pyramid in America, right. they're totally legit. Okay. Yeah. All right. About the only people who weren't fooled were the followers' families. And both Chantal Labrie and Francine Laflamme's parents attempted rescues. But by that point, the grip was permanent. Great. And people were about to start dying as a result. Oh. In October of 1979, Gabriel Nadeau, the follower with multiple sclerosis, fell into a coma and died. But when her parents retrieved the body, Rock was infuriated that he had not been allowed to bury her at the foot of Eternal Mountain. Well, after that, Rock Terrio said that when someone else inevitably died on the commune, because people were going to die, he was going to do everything in his power to keep the body out of the hands of the authorities, implying that these people belonged to him to do with as he wished. He wanted your body after you were fucking dead. 
Well, that's a yeah. fun day, though, of hide the body. It's like, oh, it's Thursday. It's time to play hide the body Yay. again. Yeah. Oh, here it is. We didn't do a good job hiding it because oh. I'm too weak to bust through the rocks. Damn it. <laughs> Meanwhile, the compound was expanding under Rock's direction. He ordered his followers to build a second story for the cabin, new wings to stretch out the living space, and a sauna. Outside, they built a smokehouse, two greenhouses, a stable, and a storage room where Rock brewed strong but presumably awful beer. Uh, Yeah, but yeah, it was supposed to be very strong, though. Hear me out. The smoker attached to the sauna. The sauna smoke is from the smoker. Now you're the meat. I don't I think, think you're far off. Mm. I, I could legitimately imagine that the wood that they're burning inside of the sauna is the same wood that is in this moment. Ooh, very nice. Once Rock had a compound worth showing off, he got back in touch with his ex-wife, Francine, who, remember, Francine had two kids with Rock named Francois and Rock Jr. And he'd done, remember, he'd done that before he had abandoned Francine for Giselle and the Seventh-day Adventist Church. So, after having a couple of bizarre dinners at fancy restaurants in which Rock brought follower Nicole Ruel and flashed thick wads of cash, Francine was invited to come out to the commune and bring along Rock Jr. and Francois, which she did on multiple occasions. He he acted like fucking old dirty bastard at dinners. He would come up with these big wads of cash and he's like, buy anything you fucking want. Buy anything. You can do it. I have so much money. You buy the most expensive thing. And he would have this huge display where it was very obnoxious and very embarrassing. Right. And throwing money at people and doing this. It was very intense. Also, you're in Canada. What are you getting? I mean, you can get so much... Poutine, that's Lutefisk. it. Lutefisk. <laughs> now, usually, Rock would mark the arrival of Rock Jr., Francois, and Francine with a party. And on one night in particular, Rock got drunk and decided to demonstrate a feat of strength. Taking a box of 12-inch nails, Rock began bending them into a V-shape, one by one. Now, his followers, they all clapped with each bent nail. Hey. Look at the seal that is our God. Look at him. <laughs> well, they were showing what Rock felt was the appropriate amount of awe and admiration, because this was obviously not the first time that a feat of strength had been demonstrated. Honestly, I could use some applause. Well, you, you want a round of I applause? Miss I miss it. From Bend the, some I nails, miss it the and then we'll give you an applause as soon as you start bending metal. But Francine, after seeing the absolute ridiculous nature of the display, eventually couldn't hold it in any longer, and she burst out laughing at the absurdity. In response, Rock dragged her from her seat and punched and kicked her as she screamed and cried for help. The followers, now used to this type of sudden violence, simply watched with blank looks on their faces, presumably until Rock was satisfied enough to continue the bending of nails. Jesus. He's very, we'll bring this up time and time again. It's very much like a childlike bully. Oh. Where he does not know how to respond. Yeah, it's very childlike. And we'll see as it goes. And there's something about the childishness of it that makes a lot of his punishments specifically so savage. Because yeah. there, it's that idea of the uh, truly me-first idea of a child reacting with violence, but you're an over-200-pound, six-foot-tall man. 
Yeah. Right. I mean, even the, the isolation, I mean, yeah, it is partly a cult tactic, but it is also a very childlike impulse. It's the impulse that a nine-year-old has when he gets in trouble. I'm going to run away and go live in the woods. You know, I'm going kid, away and you are all going to miss me and I'm going to live in my own fortress and I'm going <laughs> to jerk off everybody. It's not about missing you. It's about like legally having to get you back alive. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's at this point that things at Eternal Mountain entered a new level of darkness, although it would by no means be the lowest level Rock would reach. In November of 1980, a 23-year-old mental patient named Guy Veer showed up at the commune after seeing a positive TV report on the cult. Guy Veer is the only way to describe him. He's, he seemed like he there's somewhere he's somewhere between John Coffey and Riff Raff from <laughs> fucking uh, Rocky, Rocky Horror. Horror. Yes. Rocky Horror, not the rapper Riff Raff. Well, after talking to Guy. Rock gave him the new name of Ketamoth, put him to work doing bat-breaking manual labor, and forced him to sleep and eat in the storage shed outside, all during a Canadian winter. I just gotta say thank you so much, Rock, because it's so nice I get to sleep next to the shovels. It is really nice. You can cuddle those shovels. I got all this room next to the buckets, and I got all these smallest floor I can just spread out on. Not too much spread. I kind of got to sleep like a snail. That makes a lot of sense. Uh-huh. Yes, indeed. You're by all the pots and pans because you're... <laughs> what's his name? Ket- Kettlemore? Uh, Kettlemoth. Kettlemoth. There it is. At least that's not a normal... At least he didn't call him Bart. Well, I mean, he was, he'd run out of the, na- he'd run yeah. out of the, the really like the normal names. He was not yeah. going down to Ketamoth, Boaz. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, someone else had already taken Joshua. Yeah. He was running to the bottom of the barrel. There is also, there's also kind of, so I have a little bit of a misunderstanding of, cause Guy Veer joined because there, there seems to be a weird thing. Cause Rock says, oh, we're, we took in this man. He needed help and we're saving him. But Guy Veer seems like he apparently just wandered away from a mental hospital. Like literally like, <laughs> like left this mental hospital and this ended up there. Like yeah, just we have an open door policy here at Crazy <laughs> Inc. Well, a lot of mental hospitals do. Mo- most mental hospitals are, uh, you know, voluntary. They're on a voluntary basis. And, you know, Guy Veer, Guy Veer was suffering from severe depression and he thought that you know, maybe this guy, Rock Terrio, uh, had some answers. So, you know, mm-hmm. Rock gave him a new name, put him to work doing manual labor, forced him to eat in the storage shed. And after a whole winter eating and living in the storage shed, uh, when Rock presented Guy with a contract, Guy fucking jumped. Okay. The contract said that Guy would be allowed a room in the house if he took on 24-hour care of the three commune children who were not Rock's own. Great. <laughs> These kids were Samuel and Miriam Jaguer, age two and four, and Simon Ouellette, age two. Now, at this point, Rock had fathered children by Solange, Giselle, and Nicole, but those kids were kept far away from Guy Veer. But that's not to say Rock's kids were treated like royalty. But the only one who was treated as somewhat of an equal was Rock Jr., who was now 12 years old and staying his summers. At the commune, because oh, Rock yeah. Jr. fucking loved it there. He loved it because he got treated like a little prince, and he got he's starting to be groomed by his own father to say, this is how us as kings, and you as the son sure. of God's first love, show up. <laughs> right. I guess when you're, when you're part of the royal family, it's not so bad. Mm-hmm. 
Well, as far as the kids born on the commune went, they were never allowed to play with their mothers or receive any kind of parental love from anyone but Rock, at least when it came to his children. They, at the very least, got Rock. The ones who weren't his weren't allowed to receive any love whatsoever and were essentially being raised as a slave class in the tiny society that Rock Terrio was building. Literally working. You'd be actual child, like toddlers working. You're you're critical now, but wait until they debut on Comedy Central's premium blend. And then we're going (laughs) to see. That doesn't even exist anymore. I know. And then we're going to see. That show's from 1998. (laughs) That was kind of the bit. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah this is always you saying your time and your bit yeah, for the time, time that this was in oh, time okay. the bag. Yeah. Okay. with any luck they'll be on the Carol Burnett show yeah. <laughs> honestly I bet Carol Burnett got the shit beat out of her as a girl oh it sounds pretty brutal for everyone yeah <laughs> Honestly, I don't That's know. No I, haven't, basis I haven't heard one person have a good childhood ever. I don't know. Sometimes we should write a book that says it was okay. Well, as such, while Rock's children were allowed to eat and sleep in the main house, the others were relegated to sheds or simply the outdoors, which makes it entirely unsurprising that one of them ended up dead. Now, we don't know exactly what happened to Samuel Jaeger but it's thought that the whole thing started when Guy Veer, after being kept awake one night by the child's crying, punched the two-year-old in the face until Samuel fell unconscious. Now, despite what some of the followers later told police, the child was bruised, but otherwise fine the next day and could sit up on his own. But for some reason, Rock decided that the problem with Samuel was that he wasn't circumcised. And on that night, Rock attempted amateur surgery for the first time. On a two-year-old. No one said anything as he put the fucking reflector shield on That's and he so got the disgusting. gloves going on. No one said fucking anything. It's a special place in hell for people who hurt a child. Mm. Using a razor blade, Rock circumcised the child, which I suppose isn't the most complicated surgery, considering how it's done in Jewish homes by moils all the time. Yeah, I've done it like four or five times. It's easy. <laughs> yeah, be careful They just there. stay there. They just sit there. Yeah, yeah the old teeth thing there. Kind of nuts. But moils have training. Rock had only his own arrogance. Thinking that the child needed anesthetic, Rock poured pure ethanol into a rubber bulb and pumped it into Samuel's stomach. And before <sighs> long, Rock had killed the two-year-old through acute alcohol poisoning. What an absolute moron. I mean, and it's deadly. That's how he thought. Okay. Let's... Yeah. Knowing immediately that an investigation would come if this fuck-up was ever discovered, Rock Terrio ordered that the body be incinerated the next day, reasoning that if they simply buried Samuel, the crows and bears would dig up and eat the body. In reality, he's just destroying evidence. But we I guess also- he was two years old, so he couldn't exactly be like, well, he was a drunk officer. He was at the <laughs> bar getting hammered. You can look at the blood alcohol content. I tried to take the keys from him, but you try to take the you keys from a two-year-old. He's crazy. <laughs> but it is weird because we don't really know what happened. We don't Mm-mm. fully know. We don't was- know why he decided that something <sighs> happened with the circumcision. I don't know why that necessarily happened. I, we don't know if Guy Vier actually did punch him because... Rock, they, they basically, all of this shit happened at night, and then they basically just found Rock with a dead kid. Yeah. And this all came from Giselle, because yeah. Giselle later told her fucking story. And yeah, this is what she said happened. Now, even though Rock had obviously killed the child himself, he blamed Guy Veer and put Guy on trial in the commune for the death of baby Samuel. 
In this, Rock used members of his own cult to organize a perversion of criminal court, with Jacques as the judge, Giselle as the prosecutor, and Claude as the defense. Gabriel, being the nurse of the group, acted as coroner, while Solange, Francine, Chantal, Josie, and Maurice played jury. There's it's something- almost like they're trying to set up a, a town. <laughs> it is weird. It, there's yeah. a, something about this that really, I, I don't know why the, this is where it starts to kind of get creepy for me, because yeah. they acted out role-playing right. style, where they put out chairs, they set the scene, they all acted like it was a real court, they all, like, you know, w- w- the judge sat in a big chair in front of everybody else, they all separated, they d- did it like it was a set from Law and & Order. Right. And yeah. there's, there's something about this being like, oh, so they're now fully playing into a, a complete, elaborate fantasy that <sighs> uh, that is all orchestrated by rock there's a dead child involved yeah yeah i mean he's setting this up as a, a society like this is our society i mean ben you're not far off they are trying to make their own town they're no i, know. I don't know they're like five years away from you know screaming sovereign citizen that's the thing with cults it's just you're just building a town like it already exists yeah play sim city <laughs> civilization six is also a good way to get all those little you know some of your more um i'm gonna say sultry impulses i'm very happy that you have that as a release very happy well, after an hour of testimony and debate, Veer was found not guilty by <gasps> reason of insanity. Whoa, that's a big, that's a big guy. He said he believed in science. He's crazy. crazy. <laughs> but this wasn't good enough for Rock Terrio. Two hours after the verdict was read, Rock took Jacques aside and suggested that maybe, just maybe, they should castrate Guy Veer instead. And, you know, and then Jacques is like, oh, I don't know. There was a court there. We did a whole court. And he's just like, let <laughs> me tell you something, Jacques. The court, it didn't mean fucking anything. What? I just fucking make shit up as I fucking go, friend. So another vote was taken from a wider pool, which included the 12-year-old Rock Jr., and the vast majority voted for castration. Now, Guyvere understandably objected. But Egg. Rock. Hey, maybe we should like. <laughs> Hold on. Maybe we should take a mulligan. Yeah. You know what they do in the car? You're going downhill. You want to pump the brakes? Pump the brakes a little bit. But Rock calmly talked him into it by telling Guy that those headaches he'd been suffering would all go away if Rock was only able to remove Guy's left testicle. The thing, though, is that honestly, Rock, that, that, I guess that makes some kind of sense. No, I don't but, know. but why don't you, instead of me saying I have a headache, you tell me I got balls ache? <laughs> Rock also argued that Guy had respiratory problems due to excessive masturbation. It is and hard th- for me. It's, uh, that's my only cardio. Yeah, yeah. well... And all the work that you do 24 hours a day. And nothing would cure something like that better than a good old-fashioned backwoods castration. All right, let's get that ball out of there. Who who has a straw and who can suck the hardest? There's certain things that are just better from the side of the road. Boiled peanuts, barbecue, (laughs) and fucking dirty-ass gulch castration. Yeah, absolutely. Get it done fast, get it done wrong. Rock even had Guy write a letter of consent affirming Guy's specific status as a sterile eunuch within the group. Also, also I would like you to write a letter to your left testicle saying how much you enjoyed having it inside of your body and saying how much you're going to miss it. Dear lefty, I'm going to miss you mostly on vacation because you helped my bathing suit look even. But honestly, I won't forget all the other things you make me do like want to succeed. In a oh. job. Oh, oh want to make love to a woman. Oh. Bye, Lefty. Oh, bye. Well, this letter, which sounds terribly childlike, partly said, quote, See, I said no because I was scared. Now I say yes. 
because anyway, my testicles aren't doing me any good. Yeah, they are. <laughs> nah, man, I'm just I'm too heavy on the left side, and it's making my brain drift. <laughs> And so, Claude and Jacques held Guy's legs while Chantel focused a pin light on his scrotum, and Rock prepared to perform the surgery. He wrapped an elastic band around Guy's genitals and removed his testicles with a razor blade, leaving behind nothing more than a flaccid, empty sack. It kind of looks like a sail on a big pink ship. Yeah, if you think about it. Um, so the, he took both, both the balls. Oh, yeah. He took yeah. both of them, not just one of them. Okay. According to Rock Jr., who was forced to watch the whole thing, the testicles were put in a Kleenex and thrown away. The scrotum turned purple and bled for a week after that, but still the torture did not end. For the next month, when Rock got drunk, which was often, he'd strap Veer to a tree and whip him until his entire body was black and blue. One time he stripped Veer naked, tied him to a post, and ordered his followers to stab him to death. When they picked up the knives and were about to go through with it, Rock told them to stop and maniacally laughed at the fact that they were actually going to do it. Whoa, dude. Whoa, oh, that was shit. a fucking bit, man. That, that was, was a, a bit? Because we're going to kill this guy. <laughs> you guys are Rock, crazy. you got to be careful with the bits, bro. You we are the ones. You are the ones taking shit too far. <laughs> uh, but we were just following you orders. You are the one crazy <laughs> with the knives. Who gave you these? At least he's having fun. But after about a month of this abuse, Guy Veer snuck off the commune, walked the 13 miles back to town, and told the local that a toddler had been killed up on Eternal Mountain after being kicked in the head by a horse. Well, sir, this is a sandwich shop. Uh, thank you so much for just <laughs> yeah. dropping that. Um, cool. All right. Tuna? You want tuna? Yeah, I just saw the word sub. I thought I should come in. Once. <laughs> He's a sub. <laughs> Well, once word of the child's death made it back to the authorities, cops stormed the compound and took away all the children and made Rock, Jacques, Maurice, Gabriel, and Guy criminally responsible for the death of Samuel Jaguer. All right. There must be some punishment then. Two years in jail. Yeah, Rock got sentenced to jail. Okay. Yeah, he got two years in jail. The others got lesser sentences. And Giselle rented an apartment in the town where they were all being held, where the other cult members and their children could live. Okay. And without fail, when one of Rock's followers was released from prison, they joined Giselle and the others. And over the course of two years of incarceration, Rock didn't lose a single follower. Oh, my God. This is what I was talking about with the sticky sticky, is the right. fact that they had full-on opportunities to leave. This mm-hmm. was, they, Now Rock is in jail. They have all been, they, they all thought, including the authorities, the spell will now be broken. Right. This cult will just drift away. It will break apart and go. But they doubled down. And yeah. Rock spent the entire time screaming on the phone like he was Tom Cruise making his Mission Impossible 7. Like, he is yeah. literally screaming all day getting show everybody to say, show, <laughs> show me show the money. Show me the money. Show me the money. Yeah. No, I think they said that they uh, their collect call bill was about five hundred dollars a month, Jeez. Uh, and they paid for it. Just and they spent all of their welfare checks instead of buying food for the kids or for themselves. They spent all of their money on paying for collect calls so Rock could keep his control over his followers. Oh, oh yeah, because we didn't fully go into it because it's kind of boring. They, this whole thing was also they were also in the middle of a massive welfare scam. They were yeah. all just taking money and giving it up to Rock. Yeah, the compound they built was bulldozed and burned. But his followers saw the entire affair as a test. As the writers of Savage Messiah put it, 
They were an island of purity in a hostile world populated by demons, sinners, and corrupt influences. And their mm. devotion to rock was the only thing keeping them alive. So you're fucking this guy that looks like Bruiser Brody. You got one dead baby, <laughs> one guy with no balls, no food, and you guys have been working like dogs for nothing for how many years now? Wait a second. Did you say for nothing? You say for nothing? You got no money. You have nothing. Look, it's these beans. Ah, you do have beans. Uh, four years. Four years. Four wow. years when he went into when he went into prison. It was four years, but you know, by the time he got out of prison, it had been six years, and Jeez. they're still there. I mean, the only thing that really changed during his stint in prison was that Giselle, aka Mammy, she wanted to step down, and Solange happily took the second in command spot. And Rock even managed to get three of his followers pregnant during weekend visitations while he I, was in prison. They have an incredible leniency towards conjugal visits yeah he got one every month he got to fuck every month that's nice for him though (laughs) while in prison rock took a page from hitler's book and worked on his memoir Uh uh-oh it was called l'affaire moise or the moses affair oh god this guy (laughs) was it oh god is is it the pelican brief is he writing that next (laughs) (laughs) rock rambled into a tape recorder for hours and out of a 367 page transcript a ghostwriter brought it down to 173 i mean it is tough being a ghostwriter because you can oftentimes light the paper on fire when you get angry and and your head turns into flames if you think about the um wow so this was a this is a pun Uh that you try to construct about ghost rider he's talking about the motorcycle hero the motorcycle hero it's goes a pun, right. It's it's a pun on top of multiple puns. It's simple brilliant. You're it's like, simple brilliance. I'm going to start calling you the Samuel Clemens of this table. Oh. You know who that is? No, I don't. I won't tell you. <laughs> is it bad? No, it's it's very it's a uh, un I'm going to say undeserved, but who's Samuel Clemens? <laughs> also, we were not supposed to do so many sidebars. Who's Samuel Clemens? Who is he? Should I tell him, Dogmeat? Go ahead. It's Mark Twain. Never heard of him. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the memoir, released by a minor Quebec publisher to the tune of 5,000 copies, was a justification parade in which Rock claimed that he and his followers were persecuted because they lived on the margins of society and had discovered a more meaningful, peaceful truth. Man, my fucking justification parade is going to be so long and so, so loud. Can't wait. I cannot wait to have my fucking weaponized tubas mm-hmm. when I take my justification parade yeah. down to where my agency used to you be. You know, this is the, this is the Lakers uh, NBA championship parade, yeah, Mr. Zabrowski. This isn't. I'm mm. taking up the back of it. You're taking the back of the parade. Okay. Well, as far as the whole business with Guy Vera went, Rock wrote that Guy had wanted it. He claimed that Guy had gone on and on for months about his desire to become a eunuch for the Holy Virgin, and Rock was only too happy to oblige. In one short passage, which Henry will now read, Rock Terrio reimagined himself as a beloved, generous leader who had, through the very virtue of existing, led a group of misfits to the promised land. And for this, they treated him as they would a king. On returning from my daily three-kilometer walk one Saturday in June of 1980, I saw Nathan and Boaz come towards me. They greeted me and hoisted me onto their shoulders with amid cries of, Long live the king! 
Suddenly, the others appeared and picked up the chant. They revealed what I represented to them. A model, a guide, a hero. In other words, I had become the sovereign of their hearts. As confirmation, my wife Esther placed on my hand while flutes played in the background a metal crown. Next, they placed a robe around my shoulders and a rod in my hand like I sipped there. My friends informed me <laughs> that from that day forward, they would celebrate an annual festival of the king in my honor. They dressed you up like Jerry Lawler. <laughs> Honestly, he looked like Jerry Lawler. He totally shit. This whole thing is just wrestling on horribly, horribly wrong. It looks like Tugboat dressed as Jerry Lawler. Oh, Tugboat. But while this is an extended, deep, weird fantasy to write a lie within your own journal of a thing that obviously did not happen, there are bits of it that are real. Because this is about the time when he started to dress in costumes. Because mm-hmm. he did have... The, it's very much, man. Do you remember the fucking Metallica video from the Unforgiven? Oh, yeah. Of yeah. The lot of this second half of this fucking reminds me of that video where it's just him and a fucking, him with that fucking crown next to him and fucking hat hanging out, dude. And there's yeah. like <laughs> that kind of murky thing where he's like this like metal god, but still you can see his crown is made of paper. Unforgiven, <laughs> man. Unforgiven, too. Just like that. It sounded just like that. Hey, man. Fucking clean us over again. (laughs) Now, Rock did write that this was just a bit of harmless frivolity, but this was really how his followers thought of him. They were his subjects, and he was their divinely chosen king. And until the day he was finally taken out, they did whatever he wanted. And for a queen, we have Queen Carlotta from Desperate Living. Isn't that fun? Walk backwards on Tuesdays. Desperate Living, if you haven't seen it, that is one of my favorite John Waters films. Speaking it's, of bad royalty, it's man, disgusting. It's, a, it's about to get real. Actually, it's going it, 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 to. This is about to get real fucking Desperate Living. This is about oh. to get to that. But like, but like so much fucking but worse. Very bad. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'm getting prepared. So in February of 1984, Rock Terrio was released from prison, having lost not a single follower over the course of two years being apart. Now, in those two years, his followers had gotten pretty used to living in actual houses with heating and plumbing, and everyone was just crossing their fingers, hoping that Rock would simply join them in civilization. Rock, wouldn't you just love to have a common room? Sounds nice, right? <laughs> wouldn't it just be nice to have just like a, a, a room? <laughs> you know? Anything, walls, the whole thing. But immediately upon his release, Rock proclaimed that it was time for a second exodus into the woods. He was forbidden from associating with the followers who had also been arrested while they were in the confines of Quebec. But that didn't apply to the rest of Canada. So, within days of Rock's release from prison, he and Jacques got in a truck and headed west to Ontario on the hunt for their second commune. This one where the worst of Rock Terrio's crimes would be committed was a 200-acre parcel east of Burnt River. Do you ever do a Google map of Burnt River? No. It's out there, my friend. I don't even know how the fuck they found it. But apparently it's got a really good dispensary now. Oh, cool. (laughs) 
Well, once the whole cult was moved back out into the boonies, they built a sawmill from a chainsaw motor to produce beams and boards for the construction of a full community in the Canadian wilderness. This is the only thing that is f- insane to me. He did build, obviously, Rock Terrio is full of shit. Absolutely, uh, you know, he's a clown. But he managed to engineer a homespun, like, industrial workload like a factory like he created right. a log cutter he created like all of these hoists he's the only cult leader that i know of that i remember of who's a straight up engineer well yeah. and, mo- and and like uh and like a log cutter he's a real asshole <laughs> this is why people come to the wow. show. I, no, I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna give it back to him. The Samuel Cle- Samuel Clemens over there. Samuel Jesus Clemens. Christ. Samuel yeah. Clemens. I heard Samuel Clemens changed his name from Mark Twain. <laughs> you did hear that? I know. I just we just keep raising the bar. I know it. I know it. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. People think the new fresh fragrances from Glade are fresher than fresh, like artist Angela. Well, as far as construction went, first came an A-frame cabin, and soon after, the cult built a large two-story house with a kitchen and private sleeping quarters for Rock. Strangely, or perhaps appropriately, Rock had his own personal toilet built in his own bedroom, where anyone who happened to be in there with him was forced to watch as Rock took a dump. Man, that's the ultimate power move. What a difference between having a bedroom adjacent to or connected to your master bedroom and having the bathroom in the master bedroom. Put the toilet (laughs) in the center of it, yes. In the center, yes. Yeah. Perfect. I like to be able to shit with my legs in a V position. So you're like, hey, Rock, how was jail? He's like, it was absolutely horrible, but I did like the layout. The best part yeah, is, the honestly, are nice. think about this. It's kind of a paradise. You've got a little sink. Oh, who needs the holiday? I hate to be clean anyway. Yeah. And then you've got the fucking bed. It's right next to where I shit. Whoa, that's so convenient. <laughs> well, after the house came a bakery, a smokehouse, and a sugar shack, where a rock's cult could make as much maple syrup as their little Canadian hearts desired. As legally required by the Canadian government. Absolutely. <laughs> Finally came a sanctuary built of stone where Rock would speak to God. Beginning to end, they built all of these structures, which were apparently immaculately constructed in just five months. Wow. Now, during the first exodus, Rock had 20 people under his spell. But after a few of them died and a few left when shit got too weird, Rock was now down to 13, in addition to 10 children. Oh, my God. These were the most 
fervent of Rock's followers, and each of them settled into a role that inevitably served Rock. Solange was the arbiter of disputes. Chantel was Rock's personal chef. Nicole was Chantel's assistant. Maurice cut Rock's hair, and Francine was Rock's personal masseuse. As far as practicality went, Giselle was surrogate mother to the children. Josie was in charge of firewood and keeping the stoves burning. Jacques and Claude were the outdoor guys. And Gabrielle, being the only one who spoke English, was the interpreter to the outside world. And Rock Jr. got into improv. <laughs> Isn't that nice? Hey, look, he can make up so many characters so easily. Wow. <laughs> but almost immediately, the cruelty began anew and was worse than ever. Maurice Grenier still hadn't left, despite the fact that Rock was responsible for the death of her child, and Rock singled her out for punishment. She was beat for the smallest infractions. Things other more dedicated members would skate past, and she was ordered to live separately from the group with her two surviving children, and none of them were allowed to mix with the group at large. This arrangement lasted until her oldest child, Miriam, was old enough to be accepted into the group. But when that day came, she was ordered to live in the men's cabin with Claude and Rock Jr. and was forbidden to speak with her mother, Maurice, anymore. Rock also started pumping social services for welfare and turned his followers into expert shoplifters. They were told that anything they stole was rightfully theirs. And anytime they were caught, they were let off with a warning out of pity. It's kind of like the Adolfo Costanzo thing where he told them all, we have God's permission. Mm-hmm. God forgives you of stealing because you're stealing you for God. Yeah, yeah you, you're stealing for him. And then they went to go do it and they constantly get let off because they would show up. To, it's it's both a conscious scheme and a naive move where these people in tunics would show up with like three babies attached to them and they would find them. They, they would create these special outfits that they would wear when right. they would go shoplifting. They would have compartments filled with pounds and pounds of food that would oh, fill yeah. and they would leave and they would come and they would just take, they would find people obviously shoplifting and yeah. then they would take all the food from them. But then they're just looking at these like quote to them, these like simple bumpkins that were like living on the woods Who and they would just kind of speak English. No, no English, purposefully too, because he also made sure that they wouldn't. Yeah, because he didn't want them to be able to communicate, and they would just be like, "I guess we just let him go." Because what am I going to do? We're going to put this mom and her kids in jail, and she's right. she's just obviously she just loves stocks of corn so much she wants to live with them. Oh, absolutely. Rock also had all of his followers call and write their extended family begging for money, coaching the cult to guilt their relatives into supporting grandchildren that they had neither seen nor were even told it existed up until that point. But all of this still wasn't enough to support the cult. And when it was discovered that the soil on Burnt River was too poor to produce crops, Rock had the bright idea to get into the fruit business. Oh, that's always a bright idea. It's always there. It just <laughs> yes, grows. It is. He sent Jacques and Claude down to the Niagara Peninsula, which is apparently known as Ontario's Fruit Belt. Yeah, the Fruit Belt <laughs> I normally wear is it's just covered in berries. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, so what we're going to do today, take that grape, throw it at that apple. We're going to try to make grapples. Okay? <laughs> if this works, guys, if this works, we're going to be millionaires. Well, they brought back hundreds of pounds of produce that the rest of Rock's followers sold to tourists and locals at stands around the province. This business model actually proved to be quite a success. So Rock formed a company and called it what else but the Ant Hill Kids. He said the title of the episode. Whoa. <laughs> 
Because, as we said, they all work together like a colony of busy little ants, selling fruit, pies, and preserves. Is this the is this the only cult with a name that's LLC'd? (laughs) Heaven's Gate. (laughs) Heaven's Gate had an LLC. That's right. That with the website and the Packers logo, they stole. But true to cult form, the followers still starved, despite pie and preserves being everywhere. Because they were for they were living off of corn, cabbage, and potatoes. That was Mm, it. That's not good. I mean, that's just honestly. That's a fart slurry. Oh, no, it's yeah. always fart slurry. Cults always eat fart, fart slurry. Man, where's the meat? Where's the it's meat? The, the meat is cult. at the store that you that you were unable to steal, Becky. But they so maybe you go back out there to the Walgreens or the, whatever we have around here. I tried to lift a hand, but my hands fell asleep. That's a heavy ham. Oh. <laughs> Rock also began drinking again, which before long would turn the commune into a nightmarish violent hellscape i'm surprised they didn't turn on him with the drinking to be honest it's they were it's god choosing to drink because and god needed to relax and that's what he's saying straight up god needs to relax god needs to get in the headspace this booze allows me to get in the fucking headspace like he says weird shit and it's really because up before this he started working them to death and they all preferred new capitalist rock way more than they preferred drunk dad fucking uh, treating this as a fucking sex cult you know that side of rock so they were as soon as this happened because that's when he starts the business starts falling apart too right like immediately Mm -hmm. as soon as he starts boozing right but before things truly turned dark rock indulged he would get trashed and call for nicole or Chantel to fetch his king's jewels which were really just worthless costume trinkets so fucking creepy this creeps me out i don't know what it is it's something about putting on all the fake shit and walking around and and then everyone having to act like it's real even though he also knows it's not real they know it's not real and they all are just in this massive ornate shared fantasy yeah. Well, you know, he's wearing them. He's rambling on about how valuable they are. They're all agreeing with him. They're clapping because, you know, they knew that if they didn't, the consequences would be dire. And what he's doing is he is shaping their objective reality. He's making right. them believe that what he said was true, no matter what their eyes, their own experience, or anyone else was telling them. God, like who, does that, who does in, that sound like? I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, who does that God. fucking just sound like? I could put my Urgh. finger on it. But, you know... It makes why why do we worship gold? Why do we worship jewels and gems? It's, all shiny. Const, it's a construct. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. But they are shiny. Yeah. That's true. No, don't Yeah, they are shiny. Uh, and they They're do shiny. actually serve they serve they serve purposes. They but. shine. But it is a, it's an idea, right? Yes, You're like, oh, yeah. there's Precious not much metals. of that. We better fight over yeah. that. It's just been around since we we have a fascination with things that are shiny and easily moldable. Yeah. Well, one truck got tired of jewel talk he'd bring multiple women into his room having sex with one while two or three others gave him a massage hmm. yeah they would rub his legs in his butt yeah sometimes all hmm. eight women would participate in a cult orgy while mozart or beethoven played from a battery powered tape deck but even after rock ejaculated he still wouldn't let them go to sleep Instead, he'd order all of the women to either masturbate or caress one another while he watched. And of course, Rock also took these orgies as a way to exert more control. Yeah, it's high energy activity too. And it's connective. It's making them all kind of connected to each other. And it kind of keeps it going because there is some pleasure in it, which is the converse side of it, is that you're being forced. But there's also weirdly, there is physical pleasure. So he's trying to like Pavlov train them too, where like he mixes it specifically being like, I'm giving you this pleasure, but the punishment's right fucking behind it. Yeah. 
He would purposefully pay more attention to one woman while pointedly ignoring another, especially if he knew those two women already had a problem. And in inspiring jealousy, he also inspired further adoration. Sometimes, Rock encouraged these rivalries further by drawing a square on the ground where the women would be forced to fight each other naked while Rock sat and scored the match. A point given for a punch and a point taken away for going outside the square. Oh, my goodness. It, it is uh, sumo rules, I guess. Mm-hmm. Sumo rules. Sometimes Rock himself would participate in these fights, but usually this was just a trussed-up public beating for his opponent because anyone who hurt Rock would be punished even worse. Sometimes Rock would put a man in the square and direct the women to beat him senseless while the man had no choice but to just take it. And from what one of the guys said who got one of these beatings, he said these women, they worked in the woods for years. They were extraordinarily strong. And when they beat you, it fucking hurt yeah they were fucking beating the shit out of everybody this is one this is this this is where it's getting real fucking woodsy because the idea of then like now it's everybody's beating everybody everybody's Everybody's naked while it's happening he's turning them into animals pitting them against each other and it's sex mixed with the physical punishments just to get making them all like he's blurring all of these lines and breaking everybody's like societal the old societal ways are just being stripped piece by piece by piece i think that's what dana white is doing right now with fight Fight Island. Kind What's of Fight Island? Fight Island, Fight, Island is, Island. Fight Island is where they have all the UFC fights. It's for COVID. They literally bought an island. That's kind of cool, though. That <laughs> yeah. seems fun. It's a Dana yeah. White UFC joke. Yeah, dude, but they are, well, you know, but that's good, though, because they're trained to fight each other, exactly. and, it's, and that's like a sport. That's like a thing. So it's, it's not different. like this. Yeah. Like they're, is, not, they're, like, they're not all the UFC fighters aren't fighting for Dana White's approval. Yeah, do they love. all suck Dana well, White's they are, dick? actually. But I am not going to explain this to you guys. But somebody out there got it. Well, as Rock's drinking got worse, so too did the punishments. And it seemed like God would be particularly adamant about the most extreme punishments, specifically when Rock drank. Because Rock called God master. And so he said that everything that he got came straight from master. So he got closer to master when he drank. And so all of this is not him. He's just a vessel. He is just being forced to do this. This is all commands that the master is giving him. Sounds like Randy from South Park when he went to go see the uh, the Little League games just getting absolutely hammered, getting arrested every time. (laughs) He's like, this is America! This is America! He's just, that's such an alcoholic thought. Such a Mm -hmm. drunk fever dream idea. Yeah. Rock told his followers that they were all inherently evil. And by beating them, he was beating the devil out of their souls. And this was all when he was drunk. Sometimes he struck his followers in the face randomly with the flat of an axe blade, or he'd thwack them on the forehead with a hammer. But his punishments weren't just physical beatings. One of his old standbys was to strip followers naked and urinate on them as they lay on the floor, often making them open their mouths to make it as awful as possible. And sometimes he'd just do it for fun. God, I hate Pappy Sprinkler. It's not good. Larry Lawton, if you watch the Larry Lawton YouTube channel, he's an ex-con who stole the most amount of jewels in America, but he has a story with CEOs doing things like that to him. It's freaking brutal. Wow. Wow. It is nasty stuff, man. This this power control mm. sub stuff is nasty. Well, possibly worse than that was when he would make his followers lick someone else's anus just after they defecated. Mm. Then he would force them to pick up the turd and smear their cheeks and forehead 
with feces. Wait, when did, okay, when did, oh, right. Yeah. When yeah. did this, yeah. when yeah. did this start? When, when did, did all the dookie when, stuff start? And with the pee-pee. Yeah, he had the pee-pee and it came but, first and then the poopy came right well, afterwards and well, he definitely all, made someone do the whole, like, because it's a chocolate fountain over there. And, I don't, Well, it's all, all right. It's what we talk about with the childlike stuff, you know, playing with human waste, you know, using that as as punishments. And most of the time, like, this punishment, like, the, the shit punishment in particular was usually saved for Gabrielle, one person in particular. Well, there's nothing Which, wrong with having a fun fetish and all no, that stuff. Yeah, but this you can is eat totally, shit all day this, if this you like totally it. Diff- oh, I mean, if you want to eat shit, whatever. Yeah, eat honestly, shit. you can. Yeah. If you want shit. to. Yes. Whatever you, you do. stomach, yeah. It's fucking pandemic, man. Do what you got to do. But <laughs> Gabrielle. How'd you get through the pandemic? <laughs> uh, I just got... I'm a bit of a beaver. I'm a bit of a busy beaver. <laughs> yeah, sounds um, like it. But Gabrielle, uh, the reason why she got this specific punishment is that she used to brag, quote unquote brag. She was just an actual nurse. And so yeah. whenever she tried to correct or say something health-wise to Rock or how we could do something that you want, right. he would do this punishment to her. Yeah. Uh, all right. And every time the followers walked away appearing contented, even happy. Because they believed that the punishments had restored their favor with God, and Moses had brought them back to the righteous path. But every once in a while, someone would fight back. On one occasion, Jacques punched Rock in the face and sent him flying over a pile of chairs. And to determine his punishment, Rock set up another one of his courts, which were becoming more and more common in order to figure out punishments. As opposed to the trial of Guy Veers, Rock decided he was the best person to preside as judge. And Rock always presided wearing an elegant black tuxedo. I have oh. no clue how he kept it fucking clean. Jeez. <laughs> well, after Jacques was found guilty, Rock chose circumcision as the punishment. Oh it seems, God. Rock, it seems like that's your go-to. Yeah, it's kind of like my favorite thing. It seems You know, like some it. people like boxes all covered in string and, uh, and kitty cats and cake and shit. I like a castration. Oh my goodness. This town needs an enema. Yeah, it does. I keep saying, want to say this reminds me of Dracula. Dead it really it. does. This sentence was carried out by one of his followers with one swift chop of the knife. And Jacques was lucky to only lose his hood in the process. Oh. But invariably, when Rock sobered up, he'd cry like a child. And beg God to stop commanding such acts of brutality. That's to me also deeply frightening. And then yeah. he wakes up all hungover and then he falls to his knees in front of everyone just going like, Why do you make me do this, master? Why do you make me do this? And they have to sit there being like, Yeah, master, why do you make him do this? <laughs> ne- never a day without drama, I guess. Yeah. But remember, it wasn't just adults on this commune. Ten children came to Burnt River with the anthill kids. And the local social workers, particularly the Kawartha Halliburton Children's Aid Society, had noticed. Now, at first, the social workers were charmed by Rock just as much as anyone else was. He gave them a tour of the commune and filled the visitors with bullshit, claiming that he'd been a missionary for the SDA church, a paramedic for four years, the head of a health qu- clinic in Quebec City, and the mayor of Thetford Mines. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, This is where the internet does come in handy. (laughs) It does. But in October of 1984, Quebec released a bulletin all across Canada informing everyone about the death of baby Samuel and the castration of a mental patient named Guy Veer. After this, a social worker named Georgia Brown took it as her own personal mission to save the children. Yay, please do. 
completely unfazed by Rock's charm, Georgia Brown saw through Rock Terrio immediately. And this woman, think about they are in the middle of fucking nowhere. They yeah. had to go hike out to check. So in now the winter, they st- had to take snowmobiles. They had wow. to take snowmobiles. And now this woman, because this woman's a fucking hero, Georgia Brown yeah. Georgia was like, Brown. I am, we're going to do this. And so she was making monthly trips out there to go look at these kids, doing her best, trying to figure out a way to get something on rock right. so they can get the kids out of there. Yeah. She dug deep into the inner workings of the camp instead of taking everything at face value as her fucking colleagues had. And she soon discovered that the kids were only fed corn and cabbage for every meal. The kids didn't even get potatoes. Like, potatoes was for earners. Potatoes was for winners. Yeah. Horrifically, Rock also implied to her that he was raising the female children to join his harem of wives long before reaching the age of consent. But he didn't say he was doing that. She just asked him if he was doing it, and he, like, shrugged his shoulders. He's like, I don't know. Maybe. Meanwhile, Rock was telling the children, who now numbered 14, that the social workers were all Satan's helpers, each and every one born with the heart of a dog. Oh, yeah. I always think that about social workers. Just like, they're, so, they're, in it, they're in it for the money and the fame. It's the money that's yeah. a big thing. And I keep saying this. And the recognition. You oh, know, the, they get the so thanking. much recognition. How much so we spanking don't, they get. We don't just absolutely praise the wrong people in society. Absolutely <laughs> not. I want to see be the first one to bravely say in a podcast, I think social workers are overpaid and overvalued. Absolutely. And it's about time someone addressed the fact that 45 k for what? For what? For what? <laughs> Well, as a result, the, all this That was fucking, sarcastic. Yes, that I was think, a, yes, extraordinarily people sarcastic. People know. People know. As a result, you know, <laughs> the whole job, heart honestly, of the dog thing. Job. Yeah, good job. The kids <laughs> would scream and run away from the social workers whenever they showed, while the parents just sat and stared. And then there was another death. In January of 1985, under Rock's command, Gabriel Lavallee wrapped her five-year-old child, Eliezer, in a blanket and placed him in a wheelbarrow in 22-degree weather and left <sighs> him out there for over an hour. Baby turned blue and died. But, you know, since there was, I mean, and normally, you know, Rocket proclaimed they shall never take another body of a child from this place. There was a lot of attention on the commune. They would, you know, the social workers would know next time they came like, hey, there's a baby missing from the list here. Right. They they called an ambulance using Rock's CB radio and they told the local doctor who came, oh, the baby just died. You know, we came in, the baby was dead. So the doctor just wrote SIDS as the cause of death and said, all right. Y'all just, have, you got to be good now. Just peel back a layer and I, just yeah. see, like, that's what she tried to do. I mean, I remember because Georgia Brown is mortified. Yeah, yeah. I remember the one story that when she showed up unannounced because he's trying to make them to give them more notice. Like he said, you guys need to start giving me two days notice before you guys come. And Georgia Brown's like, fuck that. Yeah, exactly. She showed up one time and everybody was in their hut. She couldn't find anybody. They were all hidden away, except they found Rock naked standing on a stump screaming to his CB that the fucking Armageddon was coming to the Armageddon's coming Armageddon coming like having a full and then he just drunken look, meltdown he just looks at her and he's like oh, is it Wednesday already oh man <laughs> sorry I just didn't even have this I lost pepper. track of time uh, good now, lord most of the other social workers wrote off the death of Eliezer's no big deal but Georgia saw the entire situation for exactly what it was. Yeah, are these social workers like? Do they look at an orange and not realize there's a fruit inside? It's hard. They're just like, oh yeah, you can't eat that. That's too bad. Like, why investigate, please? Well, Georgia sought out a group called Coma, short for the Council on Mind Control, and after confirming that Coma 
We're not Scientologists. <laughs> yeah, she had to check that. She's smart. <laughs> check. She's smart. Yeah. Yeah. Very smart. The only way to solve this cult is to get another bigger cult. <laughs> <laughs> no, Georgia, Georgia Brown's incredible. But she contacted Coma for their opinion. And after Coma heard about the polygamy, the constant monitoring of members, the division of children into classes, the use of biblical names, the isolation, the rationing of food, and the acceptance of one tick, person tick, as a source of all tick, knowledge. Tick, tick, tick. The head of Coma turned to his wife and said, Christine. I think we got ourselves a cult. We got one! That's amazing. This is a scene from Ghostbusters. I know. And by the way, did you know Ghostbusters was going to be called Ghost Breakers? Yes. They finally got the rights to Ghostbusters. Now, as Georgia returned to the commune again and again, she noticed the behavior of the children was increasingly strange. They never moved or uttered a sound. Never laughed, never cried, never ran. In other words, they didn't act like children. As far as why none of the members left, despite the abuse heaped on the children, Rock had convinced them that if they were to leave, God would strike them down. God would kill them if they left. This is where you just gotta you just gotta take the leap. Let me just see. You just gotta jump out. <laughs> I promise you you're not well, gonna get killed. Well, in October nineteen eighty five, Maurice Grenier did. She finally left. Thank but God. only after Rock gave her permission. She begged him to let her go for months, and Rock finally decided that keeping her there would become a morale problem, which would make controlling the other members more difficult. And so, Maurice left. She moved back in with her parents and began a months-long process of reintegrating herself back into society. Once she was out, she confirmed for Georgia Brown just how fucking awful things really were for the children at Burnt River. Now, this next next little bit is what I'm going to call the Christmas frown section. Oh, no, that's um, not good. If you want to have yourself a Christmas frown, like I did yesterday, proceed. Okay. Well, Maurice said that Rock had used the children in sexual games that involved group masturbation. And Rock would involve the kids in bizarre rituals where the adults and the kids would dance around a fire naked. Then the adults would conduct an orgy while the kids watched. Rock would also have the children masturbate in front of him as a form of sexual education, claiming that it would awaken their sexuality. And more than one child was forced to masturbate Rock himself. Very David Berge. This is the the David Berg section. Absolutely. As far as physical abuse went, he'd throw the children into the lake or against trees when he was drunk, calling them devils. So much kid tossing in this. Ya lot. Other times, he'd hang them by trees with nails driven into their clothing in mock crucifixions, then direct adults to throw rocks before calling it off at the last second. On more than one occasion, he'd hold two infants above a fire, roaring with laughter, while saying that he might throw one of the babies into the flames, but there was no telling which one, all while the mother's begged and pleaded for their child to be saved there are scenes straight up there are scenes from a horror movie in this where it's like one story that they had where rock had a kid raise a goat he's just been like this is your pet you love this goat and then he took the goat and he took all of the chosen kids out to a field dug a hole and then killed the goat inside of the hole while they were all watching killed slit its throat spread blood and intestines all over himself and then came out being like I am resurrected to a bunch of kids not applauding Jesus 
Infants would be thrown into the lake for crying. Children would be thrown against walls or put in cages as punishment. And no one was allowed to show the children any affection or comfort besides rock. Punishment, pleasure. Punishment, pleasure. I'm the only one who gives it. I'm the only one who takes it away. I'm yeah. God's cousin. What if I yeah. just show up with an AR-15 and kill you? Yeah, fucking someone <laughs> I wish someone had. I mean, you may ask why no one did anything, but Jock did try once to say, this is fucked up. This is awful. Well, I thought when that he's... when Jock got out, he was he was nice about it. Didn't he go through no, the press? different Jock. There's different two Jocks. Oh, different. There's two Jocks. Sorry, I forgot we were in uh, French Canadian. Uh, okay, <laughs> different Jock. Yeah. Well, when Jock uh, spoke up, Rock, without thinking about it, smashed a wine goblet and slit his fucking throat um, right then and there. Cut his jugular vein. The only thing that saved Jock's life was uh, Gabrielle. She was a former nurse. So she Jeez. fucking did. She wrapped it up. Otherwise, yeah, that that's like Rock showed immediately. If you question me, I I'll will fuck you murder. Up. I will murder you on yeah. the spot. Right. And why, you might also ask, like, why not just kill him? Why not just incapacitate him, especially since he's abusing everyone's children? Right. They believed with 100 percent certainty that Rock was God's emissary, and Rock's will was therefore the will of God. They had seen him commit, quote-unquote, miracles. They had said that they, they had given up so much, and as we've, of all the cults we've covered, this group has given up so much of their own humanity right. to this person. So the idea of questioning it would bring into light and put a spotlight on the things you did and yeah. allowed to happen in your company. So now it's just getting deeper. It's getting worse and worse and worse and worse. Right. At some point, yeah. don't you just have to look at these satanic social workers and be like, let's just go check it out. Let's just follow <laughs> let's and see, see what, what, this Satan what Satan's all about. <laughs> now, it was only after Maurice told authorities about all the horrors that anything was done. And as soon as it all came to light, the children were swiftly taken away from the Burnt River Commune and placed into foster care. But as far as Rock was concerned, the kids were a necessary sacrifice in order to keep his narcissistic fantasy land going. He didn't particularly care. Okay, but usually when there's 10 kids brought to foster care, there's also a few adults that are brought into a different kind of care system. No, they just took the kids. They just left everybody else. They just came and scooped out. I mean, to be honest, great. I think it's great. Because you can't really do anything with a quote-unquote consenting adult over the age of 18. You just can't because they can choose to be there. Well, yes, you can arrest them. We'll get to that in a second. That's next. But the goal is, you know, at least they scoop the kids. And apparently they just showed up in force. And that he just sat there because he was surrounded by cops. Right, yeah, what are you going to do? He just let them take no fight. He just, like, everybody dress him up and get him out of here. Right. He didn't care. Rocterio didn't care about the children at all. The children were a nuisance. Even his own kids. He didn't even even particularly give a shit. And since he had separated the children from their parents emotionally... They didn't really care either. They just kind of watched, and then when they were gone, it's like, okay, back to work. But even though Georgia Brown was doing everything she could to make sure none of those kids would ever return to the commune, a colleague in charge of psychologically testing the children, woman named Martine Milkovich, determined that these kids weren't disturbed at all. Oh my nothing God. Nothing was wrong with them and yeah. nothing bad had happened to them. She fell for Rock's charm routine so hard, <sighs> she might as well have been a fucking member of the cult herself. Wow. She said that exposing the children to sex was fine because it was what? a part of nature. And she applauded Rock's pioneering spirit and courage. This is what I was going to bring up before. It's this weird idea that they, 
they were trying to overly, like, I'm trying to figure out how to express this. They were, they were trying to be overly sensitive. They were trying to be overly like. sensitive to a group of people that basically she said, this is just a racist move against francophones in the forest. A different, per- a different person said that. But yeah, like you know, but it's yeah. that's the pervasive idea, right? That yeah. the that they, because they are a French speaking rural group, you think that they're stupid. But oh no, this is their religious freedom to do all this shit. Right? It's very fucked up. I don't know how you get to that point when you think yeah. about what happened. Well, you don't want to be seen as a bigot against the French, no, the most open-minded people on earth. <laughs> yeah, over there they, they even pronounce it bigot. <laughs> that ain't right. Uh, that ain't yeah. right. Yeah, this other woman, uh, Lizette Laroche, like she actually started feeding information from Georgia Brown's office to Rock Terrio himself. Oh my God, what a freaking snitch in a scumbag. Well, she was the one that was convinced that they were persecuted uh, because they were francophones uh, in an English-speaking environment uh, and thought that all of this was completely and totally unfair. Both those psychologists dismissed all allegations of child abuse. They demanded that the children be returned to the commune. And as of the writing of Savage Messiah, seven years after the fact, Martine Milkovich proudly stood by her assessment. Because for some reason, I will never fucking fathom, there are some people on this earth like her who will always bow down to a narcissist. Yeah. Right. That's, that's why it. they found it. That's, that's, that's how they like, find their groups. Yeah, that's how it works. But thankfully, the judge in charge of the case agreed with Georgia Brown, who couldn't believe the shit she was hearing from these other two women. And the children were taken away for good. However, it was also ruled that there wasn't enough evidence to prosecute Rock for all of the alleged abuses. Because frankly, it all just seemed too fucked up and bizarre to believe. But the removal of the children seemed to break something in Rock Terrio. Whatever it was that was keeping his most violent tendencies somewhat at bay was now gone. And Burnt River was truly about to become a hell on earth for the anthill kids. And that's where we'll conclude our series. All right, so he fell in the ooze, and now he is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So this was the best version of Rock. Are you comparing him to Super Shredder? Yes. Yeah, I am. (laughs) You know what I see? You know what this whole thing... Although Super Shredder was probably better with kids, honestly. Might have been. Yeah. 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 Uh, Yeah, yeah, He raised raised Bebop and Rocksteady fine. (laughs) Yeah, they were were hog people. Um, You know know what this whole makes me episode... You know what this whole episode makes me feel? How's that? Like, have yourself... You want to sing that song right now? It's just, ooh, You're I just, just like feel. Mariah Carey. Oh, I am just like her, same cup size. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, oh, oh, oh. Um, <laughs> deeply depressed by the story. Yeah. And next, uh, we, next week it is, it's Christmas time. So it's we're not going to, we're not going to be back directly next week. We're going to have a special episode for you next week. Uh, and we're going to wrap this up the week after Christmas. Don't worry. We're going to get into, uh, by, but it's, <laughs> it's not even bad yet. It's not bad yet. But it's of course, not even it's bad. bad yet. The, the, it the is child very abuse is, bad. is extraordinarily very. bad. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the, as far as the violence towards uh, the adults go, yeah, we're uh, we haven't even touched on it. Okay, the, well, the we did have someone it. lose both of his balls, so I think we did touch on it. Um, <laughs> and technically, if you, okay. if you kill balls, it's like you're killing a million people. That's uh, a good point. <laughs> yeah. Is that, um, is that weird to say? All right, right, now I'm saying it. 
Well, Henry's <laughs> the Samuel Clemens of the podcast now. Yeah, well, it's as me. long as I can be Mark Twain, I'll be happy. Um, well, thank now you. Now you all have s- it again. Clever, right. <laughs> give it back to me. Thank you all so much for uh, for listening. And yes, we'll be back. I uh, hope you enjoy Christmas. Hope you have a, a fine vacation. Or whatever I know it is that out. you. Or yeah, whatever. Of course, because there's Saturnalia. There's um, Saturnalia. There's Boxing Day. What's that day? <laughs> I think that's the Australian. That's like July 4th for Australia. That does I think. something, right? They got shit over there. I don't know what that it's is. It's not even close to God. Christmas, though. We're right in the middle of Hanukkah right now. We're right in the middle of Hanukkah. I think yeah. it's technically, is it over? It may today? be over. I think last night was is the, it over? It, I think it was the hmm. eighth day of Hanukkah hmm. yesterday. Oh. We could do this all day. This is this is fun. But honestly, we hope, we wish you all the best. And thank you so much for being with us throughout this entire, and we're just going to say, air quotes, interesting year. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I'll and, kill you. You know, if you don't have. I'll fucking kill you and, with my parents. But, but you know what? It's not always about gifts. It's just about community sometimes. So just it is. remember that about this holiday season. Don't money. Don't don't money. No matter. It's about, about thought, Walmart. It's about thought. And it's about, you know what? This is a really good time. I'm going to do my fucking the ending from Scrooge. This is a really good time to reach out to somebody you haven't talked to in a long time. This is a really good time to do that. Like a, a phone call. I mean, it's not free. It, it does work. But a phone call it's helps. Very important. This is the time. Maybe, maybe yeah. you know, uh, an old, uh, you know, an old college person. Sure. Um, maybe, yeah. Like that, that guy that taught you had to masturbate when you were staying out in the middle of the woods <laughs> well, at Quebec. You could probably leave that. Let's leave that phone call to the authorities. And it's okay that Cyberpunk 2077 was a massive disappointment in every way possible. It's fine. We'll get I mean, through it together. D- you say that to un- yourself. Unprompted. <laughs> I usually mention things that have nothing to do with the show. But no, I, it's, I know. It's but- fine that we placed all of our hopes and dreams on this stupid fucking video game and that it was a massive disappointment. It's okay. We'll get over it. Together. It's, a, it's supposed to be better on PS5. I'm playing Sim 6. <laughs> okay. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Oh, and check out all the other shows. You got to get of good, good this week. Abling and Stop Pat. Uh, kind of fun. Those are my shows. And then we have Wizard of the Bruiser. Side work. Great episode Side with work. Natalie Jean this week talking about her experiences working for Hot Topic Ooh, back in the day. Cool. She was real spicy back then. Oh, she, real, right. she was real spicy. Huh. She's still real spicy. Oh, yes. My indeed. wife also worked for Hot Topic. Yeah. It's almost huh. like they had a brand, like a type, <laughs> to fit into that brand. What, hot women? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. Point. Yeah. Um, all right, everyone. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Hail Gene. Magustulations. And this holiday season, just remember, fucking hail me. And no one else. Well, that's what Rock Terrio would say. So you don't want that. I don't want what he did. Always I'll be say, cool. I, you're free to go. Like that's what I'll say. You're free to go. I like that you like me, but I also have no problem if you like other people. I, actually I want like you that. to like me, and I want you to like other people because then if you like me, then you st- then it's nice because and then I'm in a, is, I'm a group of people that you like. This is connections. This is how connections it's are formed. Community. Yeah. Interesting. One brick at a time. One brick at a time. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Hey.